Guys, welcome to Minefields. Appreciate your patience. Goddamn, it's been almost two weeks. Uh, just FYI, I'm not trying to make excuses. I got sick as hell last week. <laughs> we uh, the we recorded half an episode last week, and uh, we had to, I had to put the brakes on it because I got sick. And uh, but the tail end of the of this episode will be what we recorded, Miss Morales, going on his kick-ass trip. How you doing today, Tony? I think it's good, man. Just freaking kicking back, relaxing, ready to talk some comics and some wrestling. Man, the the limit was... I can't... We've never had a high like we've had leaving New Era like we did on Saturday. Like, that, the limit was just absolutely pushed. Oh, yeah. Nah, man. Freaking, uh... Probably the largest crowd we've ever had thus far... Um, three freaking, ten, you know, three had, ten, yeah, three, three ten, freaking, yeah, you know, we had to go out there have a blast, you know, we ended up, you know, having having a lot of fun. We uh, crowned three new champions. Our tag champions changed hands, and in probably the legitimate greatest upset in the history of new era, of new era wrestling, freaking Villy five point two. Unthroned, dethroned, uh, Jason Knoll ending his three-year reign as 5280 champion to claim the title for himself. That was one of the most and freaking people. Ones. People lost their minds. Completely lost their minds, man. Like uh, I didn't know what to do with myself. Like because we, I, we got, we got homeboy doing Roman cam, and I was doing hard cam, just go pulling in and out, and I didn't know where to look. Like, do I focus in on the crowd? Like, I, I I had, like, three decisions. I had to immediately pull my tripod up, pull out the stakes, and, uh, you know, like, pull from the three to the one because I use it as a pivot, and then run to the ring. And uh, we've got all the babies just, like, celebrating. Villy, Villy doesn't – like, I, I've never seen a man so triumphant. Like, just – Yeah, he didn't, he didn't expect it, and freaking Biggie Bam. Yeah. You know, next you know, he's got the one with a small package. Might be the best small package in the business. You're goddamn right. Let's uh, let <laughs> cheer ski to that guy. Mm-hmm. Billy 5.2. Yeah, yeah, we did that. The only uh, only champion able to retain his championship would uh, be good old Joey Kincaid in the main event, maintaining his championship and his career over uh, more than game Hunter Gray. Oof. Oof. Beat the living crap out of the champion. At the end of the day, you know, Kincaid was able to pull out the, the win. Mm-hmm. Don't forget the other... I stopped the recording and restarted it. Okay. Anyway, so... 5280. Billy 5.2. Just killing it. That, that was that was just a, a joyous moment, man. There's the, the, the crowd didn't know what to do with themselves. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody in that uh, in that crowd expected that to happen. So, I mean, you know, good on him. Freaking, you know, you get to see the uh, the joy and kind of shock in Villy's face, and you know, crowd lost their ever little minds and ended up being carried off on the uh, shoulders of his compatriots. I don't think that's ever happened in wrestling before. I think that was a first. I like to think so. I think that was a first. Except for WrestleMania 10 when they did it with Bret Hart, but still. Yeah, <laughs> that's different. 
That's different. Well, but, you know. but so three ten in the crowd. Sky's the limit. Like fire marshal's not gonna be able to shut us down because we're in a freaking warehouse. By the way, don't forget we're doing abuela friendly now. By the way, guys, uh, we're not clean. We're not dirty. We're abuela friendly. It's a thing. It's a thing. I want you to think about it deep and hard. Uh, I brought it up with Mr. Morales here when I was uh, discussing uh, wrestling and life with Mr. Red Viper. Um, here's the Red Viper. Put us over. Put the photos over. We're hired to do the flyers. Mr. Viper. Mm. Well, we start the show, and it occurs to me, because I listen to that witchy voice in my head all the time. I know you hate witches. We mentioned that before. Um, we were at dinner. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, that, that voice has said, hey, grandma's going to be listening to this. I'm like, yo, uh, your grandma's going to listen to this, ain't she? And she, he's like, yeah, she definitely is going to listen. Let's just keep it a boiler friendly. And he's like, what's that mean? And I'm like, you know, I'm not saying we keep it clean. I'm not saying we be dirty. What I'm saying is, is that sometimes you can't be talking about blankety-blank in front of you, uh, Abuelita there. But then, sometimes, Abuelita can drink you under the table and might mention a couple of things. Okay. Copy. It made it made the discussion... Um, it's, it's not even... like I'm trying to think of a good metaphor for this. Like... like we saw that we saw the lines in the road, but sometimes someone will swerve and you get a swerve and get ahead of them, and then pull back to your, your defensive driving. And there's a lot of different things with abuela friendly, but it's a thing now. Minefields is officially abuela friendly until you listen to. Go ahead and give us. You make the debut because I'm so stoked about the idea. <laughs> yeah, we're working on a, uh, a new project. We're gonna call it uh, Minefields Dark. And we'll be, we'll be talking a little more uh, in depth over specific issues that uh, you know might not be kid friendly per se. Correct. Easily PG thirteen, possibly R. You know, a lot of your a lot of DC black label books, a lot of old school Vertigo, oh, and whatever God. else we happen to feel that would uh, fit into this little universe of ours. Agreed, we're expanding right? the expanding the minefields metaverse, as it were. That's a that's a great way great way to put it, man. Like the metaverse for minefields, like so, like you want to listen to comics where you're headed to the store with your kid. You want to throw some stuff on. Let us know and let us tell you what you might have missed last week at your local. You want to make sure your kid. We're keeping it boiler friendly. You might not get the joke. Ten years later, he's gonna like you know when you're watching Ghostbusters and like raise like you know dreaming about that ghost, and you're like, wow, that's a pretty ghost, and then, like, you watch him when you're adult, like, oh. <laughs> that's what's going on. What's yeah, going we're going to make more, you know, expand the metaverse, expand the multiverse, as it were, you know, throw out there, you know, get a little more in-depth in on specific stories that we personally care for, Well, if we're gonna and be- uh, let's have some fun in a, uh, you know, worry-free environment. Yeah, no, I love it, man, and, and there's nothing wrong with it, man, because there's... Like, I remember thinking when I, when we first started Minefields, like, oh, it's a wrestling podcast. We have to get raunchy. No. That's, that's not that's not a thing. That's not a thing. So we, we, we can be a, a the friendly, but then you can tune in to Dark. 
Uh, and then we, we're not going to be cussing up a storm. It's not going to be like us hanging out in a strip club type thing. It's just going to be darker subjects because, I mean, honestly, man, I Am Batman number eight is pretty borderline dark. No, no, it's definitely, definitely, uh, definitely gets there. It's a little bit of a, I kind of, you know, I think you equated it to previously like uh, early spawn. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely got a, definitely got that feel to it. Not so much in the Batman, but the uh, the first villain he's encountered since coming to New York. Yeah, but you know, we'll get we'll get into that in a bit. That's been a it is slowly becoming a personal favorite of mine. Jace owns man, Jace is the man. Jace, Jace, Jace is the man. We'll get in that in a little bit. But we're talking about before we get so we're talking about Minefield Dark. I say we establish just because we're here. Uh, if we're doing metaverse, multiverse, Minefield's regular is Minefield 719. Yeah, I can see that. Minefield 719, you know, instead of the, you know, 616 for, you know, or 606, I can't remember for Marvel. Not 616, you're right. Yeah, 616. Yeah, so. Standard minefields seven one nine. Minefields dark. We're gonna go like man, like when when Tony proposed this to me uh, last week. Man, I, I was on jazz on this man. Like, you mean we're gonna talk about like Constantine like, constantly, and and don't forget like the the things that come with talking about with something that's such high end as Vertigo when Karen Berger was running things. Like, you weren't just getting standard. Um, you know, a uh, action figure here or there. The Vertigo uh, merch was as high end as it could possibly get. There are like, there's the the original. The, the they reprinted it back in 2008. The minefield. The I'm sorry, my minefield. The Vertigo tarot deck. The the Vertigo tarot deck. The original one. Like, if you can find it, is going to cost you a like at least three digits, three digits, uh, because uh, someone who has it really needs the money and that's not something that, that someone's going to let go easily or the death onk or the, um, the original book ends of, uh, of death and, and, and dream. And then the second set of, of, um, dream and Daniel, uh, I remember seeing that in wizard being like, Oh my God, they were like $300 then. And I'm like, Oh my God, if only I could have like those sort of things. And we're, we're going to present those things to you in the, the fashion that we always do. Um, moving on, uh, but before, actually, I want to rewind back to New Era, high-end show, high-end production, high-end execution, the, the tickets, uh, made by Minefields, by us, those are all our photos, uh, mm-hmm. everyone got their own designer collector's ticket, scan the QR code, it'll take you to a special spot, it's going to be a standard thing at New Era now, that is something that we created here in Colorado, yeah, it's another way to say thank you to our fans. You know, you, like I said, you get that QR code, you plug that in, you know, scan that, and then you go to a, a special little bonus, as we, as we could say. Exactly, exactly. We film those. I film those backstage. Um, first QR code just takes you the the, the tickets for the last one, Eye of the Storm. Take you to the main site, but these other ones are gonna they're gonna take you to special. You pick that. You picked your wrestler. You're getting a special something, something. 
But yeah, no, you know, we did that freaking, uh, you know, like I said, everything's uh, getting a little bit more refined each and every show. So really looking forward to uh, May the 14th to be with you. Oh. Ironically enough, on May the 14th. <laughs> That's all you, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's totally my marketing ploy. That was totally. Like, when the, when, when's the chance we're going to get a chance? Uh, when do we get the opportunity to do that again? So You know, like. Let's utilize it. In hindsight, well, we still actually not in hindsight. We, we got plenty of time. I mean, like, if, if we're ripping off. In, in appropriating the 4th, May 4th being the day that all the new Star Wars shit comes out. Ah, all right, mm-hmm. $1. All right. I'm putting, putting, is it, is it a dollar every time? Sure, why not? Every time. It's a dollar. All right. I mean, <laughs> We've also instituted the, uh, the minefield swear jars. So every time we use a, a naughty word on an Abrela free show, Abrela friendly show, pardon me. One dollar. Dum dum dum. Un peso. Un peso. Un well, dolor. Right, but now I lost my train of thought. Yeah, I lost, I, <laughs> I lost my train of thought too, man. Just uh. Yeah, no, we're yeah, just uh, some some fun, like I said, something something interesting to keep us keep us entertained. At the end of the day, freaking, yep, we get enough uh enough money in the square jar. We can buy fancy new comic books. Fancy new comic books. And the way Josh swears, I'll be able to buy freaking the rest of the Dark Phoenix tri- saga <laughs> in no time. In no time, man. But what I'm thinking is is that we appropriated the fourth. Why don't we appropriate Spaceballs? And if we can find some really cheap but fun merch to make, like like remember Spaceballs, the shower curtain? Like New Era. <laughs> new Era, the... Uh, the hand sanitizer. <laughs> this is the randomest assortment of nonsense. Yeah, just completely ridiculous stuff. New Era, the matchbook. <laughs> who, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing like a fire like a phoenix. Boom. You are, you are gosh darn right about that, sir. Darn tootin'. The heckin' back. <laughs> <laughs> Now, may the Schwartz be with you. May, hey, hey, we're not comparing Schwartzes on this show. This is Abuelita friendly. <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Good, good. Now, back to, back to the money. Yeah, probably <laughs> by the end of this episode, Tony's going to have all the money for the rest of his Dark Phoenix saga. However, he has just cre- just finished a milestone. Let's hear it. Let's, let's, let's go ahead and do it. All right. Thanks to my bosom chum, Joshua Michaels. Got freaking uh, found my last issue I was looking for, uh, issue 164 of Uncanny X Men, first appearance of Binary. Um, and? And also coming and, home and finding both halves of the uh, freaking. Drawing a blank now. Days of Future Past. No. I now have. Rewind. First appearance of Lalandra. Oh, yeah. No, I do have the uh, found issue 97 of Uncanny X-Men as well. Issue freaking 97, which is the first appearance of Lalandra. But, yeah, currently I am sitting at every issue of Uncanny X-Men from, excuse me, issue 141 through 450. Plus, I am starting to piece together um, previous issues going down to issue 94. 
So as of right now, I am 36 issues away from having everything from issue 94 through 450 of X Uncanny X-Men. Now, this is going to be a great journey because, like, especially, like, because you've got, like, all the offshoots, that, like, the main ones. You've got, like, uh, Excuse mm-hmm. Song, you've got uh, Excuse Agenda, but then there's, like, like once you get all of the Uncannies, then you're going to get to go through all the the side issues that connect the main big stories, like, for example, like, Necrotia, or, mm-hmm. uh, like, one of my, uh, like, Necrotia's one of my all-time favorites. Now, that's when, um, okay, you, you make fun of me all the time, I'm just going to say it. I'm a variant. I'm a variant. Uh, I'm a variant hussy. You, you like them second prints. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, we, 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 we already, you like second prints. We already saw there's no second print boys with a Z hashtag. We don't do second prints here. It's a big rule here. But if you're doing Necrotia, then you got to do all the first, you got to do all the variant issues that are all uh, horror vampire covers. Um, like, uh, I have one that's the uh, James Carpenter's Vampires um, uh, homage. I've got a, um, I've got the any um, of the Vampire homage one for Necrotia. But then you've got uh, Messiah, uh, the, the Messiah Complex. Um, mm-hmm. Then everything that was involved with Six Hundred. Um, that was a doozy. Um, yeah, so you've got a you've got a long way to go. You're you're, you're getting all the meat and potatoes. Yeah, definitely getting there. Freaking, like I said, 36 issues to finish up, 94 through 140. And then uh, I've got 41 issues to finish up the 400s. So I'm getting there little by little. I'm going to add one ish uh, tick on my clock here for a dollar. It pisses me off you don't use that moleskin I bought you. I bought that. So you would be able to keep your list skis, even when you spill water on it. Break out the. Use that. Use that. Use that. Use that for wrestling stuff. So. Mm, all right, that's cool. I want nothing happen to your list because there's been times where we've had to go back to get your list. I feel like missed <laughs> missed an issue. <laughs> so that's that's always been on me. That's always been on me. Yeah. But yeah, no, I actually actually updated it. Last night to add in the uh, 500s of Batman and the 400s of X Uncanny X Men. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's getting there. Little, like I said, little by little, I got time. We also have we got free comic book day coming up. Oh, that's right, coming up on um, weekend of the fifth. Weekend of the fifth, we got free comic book day coming up. We have a comic store that we are not going to tell you about until we have looted it. Like. <laughs> like bandits uh in denver we're not gonna tell you where it is or what it is until after it happens but uh we we hit that place up um definitely not to make us late for near <laughs> ah no 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 it, it was never just, on purpose uh, it always it, happens it never on purpose. But we get to this place and um i see one of the shining gems I've always wanted in my collection. The original first print hardbound copy of... I gotta, I gotta read the whole thing, the, the whole title. You can't just say the Batman, Arkham Asylum. A serious house on serious earth. Written by Grant Morrison and illustrated by Dave McKean. This is pre-Vertigo. In the wrapper, on consignment at this store. 
We can only use cash. I look over it. I only have 20 in my pocket. Like, Tony, I need $10. <laughs> You're like, Tony, please. Now, I didn't say please until after. But like, it, was, it was like, you got to help me out, man. I'm good for it, baby. <laughs> and you were. You were. I will give you that. But yeah, no, uh, that was actually the that was actually my comic store when I lived in Denver. Really? Like, uh, yeah, that was that was the place I would always go, freaking um, for all my all my new new issues when I got when I got back. I'd already gotten back into comics when I was living in Amarillo, but uh, once I got back, once I moved back to Denver, that was that was my go-to. Like when I lived in I lived in Arvada for a while. And it was like five minutes away. But when I moved to Aurora, I would actually travel across Denver to this specific store because of how boss it was. Oh, totally boss. And and the the the, the staff exceptionally helpful. That that yeah. that dude in the consignment booth was just like he he looked like the type of comic book guy that would look at us like we were like you know pains in the patoot and. <laughs> And he, like, I, I, I saw Arkham Asylum, and I, he was like, yeah, it's cash only. And I was like, it's only 30 I, I didn't even bother looking up. I looked it up later. It's anywhere from 60 to 100 if it's still in the shrink wrap, which is mine is. Um, and I told you, like, I've, I've, I've seen it for $5. I've seen it. I've got it downloaded. Uh, I've seen it at the library. I've seen it at yard sales, and it just wasn't the right one. Mm-hmm. And there it was staring at me, and, and I was just like, "I want it." <laughs> like, like, like there, there was no conflict in my mind. It was just like, it was, it was more just wrapping my mind around the fact that there it was, and, and yeah, and it was absolutely there for me. And um, the same thing happened on about forty-five minutes earlier when we went to all C's. And uh, you asked me, you know, what am I looking for? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on, you know, kismet luck base. Like I usually am looking for just random stuff that will find me that I, that I want. And mm-hmm. the first thing we do, we go in and you head straight to Batman and I'm right behind you, you know, on the, uh, on the side when they got all the nice stuff on the wall. And I look down and on the counter are these two black label books. The... Batman, the Smile Killer. Yeah. Now, this was a one-shot. I thought it was two, um, but uh, I actually bought two of the same one, which was still kismet, because this is what we're starting dark with. Cool. This is what we're in, and we're not going to talk about it here. But, so... Tony, I hope not. I haven't read it. <laughs> Tony also made sure... He, uh, he pays... You know, Tony's, Tony's a bro... I made sure uh, he found my Clunin. Uh, this is true. He found my Clunin and fair trade Clunin. I got two of this one. I am giving you the good cover. Oh, nice. Giving you the good cover, and uh, that's what's. It, it, it was just staring at me, like just kismet. There it was, and, and, and I just knew it. I just knew it, and uh, that's what we're starting dark with off, and. Uh, all C's. What'd you make out with it? All C's, man. Oh, oh, yeah. You mentioned one of them already. Yeah, all C's. I got the uh, yeah that issue ninety seven first appearance of Lalandra, Uncanny X Men. Um, I made out. I got a a Detective Comics 
that was the first appearance of Black Spider, who some people recognize as being a member of the Suicide Squad. And uh, I think I got a couple. I got a bunch of detectives. Oh, I got the. Um, I finished the majority. I didn't get all of them yet, but at our second location, I was able to complete it. I finished off all my missing issues from the second series of Mr. Miracle. Oh, beautiful. From 1989 to 1991. Beautiful. Which was a 28-issue run. Um, got... I think all but one or two of the issues there, and then I found the other ones that uh, the other story went to, that we will save for a later date. Yes, sir. Uh, I also found, to add to Dark, was, because uh, I've been talking about it, like, every time we go to Lubbock, I somehow I land up on the story of uh, Stitch from Curse of the Spawn, I found the trade paperback. For, like, five bucks, and, I like, if we're doing Dark, uh, it's yours. I already told you it's yours. You, you, you got, you got me. much darker than Spawn. No, not that. This one is pretty bad. <laughs> and, uh, written by Alan McElroy, who actually wrote the uh, Spawn uh, animated series and had a hand in writing the movie, but obviously they got butchered, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I did find, and uh, this, I remember, I feel like you did it with my mind, because before we left, like, we're packing up and... Um, dismantling the studio because obviously we got to get everything in new era and i showed you my uh my original todd toys angela mm-hmm. and i was thinking to myself man i want that tiffany and i shouldn't have got that tiffany last time and there it was they're still waiting for me got my tiffany there it was the first thing they did when i got home but yeah. put tiffany right next to angela and that's the one that you gotta watch out for man like, that's the one big thing about being a like when you're collecting stuff it's like, if you don't get it that first time, it might not be there the second time. Oh, I was so worried. I was so worried. Because uh, I freaking, I remember last time we were at All Seas, I passed up on issue Uncanny X-Men 130, which is the first appearance of Dazzler, which is also a part of the Dark Phoenix saga. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I slid out, and I didn't recognize it, I didn't grab it when I should have. And the time before that was... Uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 194, first, first appearance of Black Cat. Oh. And I was just like, oh, shit, I should, you know, both times I should have grabbed those, and I didn't. Which is another reason I made it a point to grab that Uncanny X-Men 97. Oh, man, dude, we're ballers at all seas, man. Like, I got Preacher number one there. Yeah, man, uh, man it's, uh, they, they've got a hell of a collection. Their wall is ex- obviously Exceptional. 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 There is a couple of Gotham City sirens. Uh, I, I get a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a special trip back to Oklahoma City to go see my friend that has my entire series of Gotham City sirens just to get those back. Um, issue nice. issue one alone would pay for back and forth and food. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Um, gotta get those back. She's cool. I'm, I'm sure she still has them. Um, what else they got there? They've got a couple of the Spideys, the Spidey McFarlane's I need. Um, uh, is it Dominic? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, Mr. Dominic was our hookup. Mr. Dominic takes good care of us there. He thought we were in a band. He did. I don't know why he would ever get that idea, but what well, is? Well, we're obviously tr- <laughs> we're obviously trucking together. Like we walk in together, we walk in like like we're we're buzzing around like. <laughs> like, I don't know, flies to honey. 
I was like, we got 10 minutes to kill you, and then we're going to be there half an hour. Yeah, for, for sure. Nah, we're usually there about an hour, actually. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, traffic's bad. Uh, we'll be there about 45. <laughs> that happens. But we, we have... We just... Yeah. Man, it is what it is, man. I'm freaking... We don't want, once we get there, we don't have time to play around, so we gotta no. do the play beforehand. No, no time to play around. We got, we got. Uh, we leave, we leave enough time to get, make it happen, so it's okay. People to see, people to wrestle, people to photograph, things to take care of, man. But, but the thing is, though, is that the hunt devours all. <laughs> that it does. The hunt devours all, and all sees. Are we gonna have to set up like? Do we know? Do do they do subscriptions there? I'm sure they. I'm sure you can set up a box. We're gonna I'm like, sure you can. We we subscribe to like let's subscribe to like a couple of the black label books that way like that it doesn't compile on us. <laughs> like there'll only be like one or two waiting for us as opposed to like thirty, and get whatever discount we get. Yeah, that's probably not the dumbest idea, in all honesty. Yeah, if we get our black labels there. Lord knows it saves, Lord knows it saves us at Ed's. Ooh, God bless that Ed. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, no, freaking... Yeah, definitely a, a solid venture. Solid Got some stuff completed. Made some stuff happen. A lot of stuff happened, man. Like, I, I'm still on high from it, man. Like, we really, like... Like... It's just one of those things, like, when you bump in your own art. Like, yeah. I did that. Like, it's like, yeah, those are my photos. Those are, it was, it's Sin's logo that he made, but uh, he gave me the background. But that, it, we, we really executed at maximum effort. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. But yeah, no, um, no, like I said, great weekend, great freaking, had some great finds, had a great show, had that great post-match freaking meal, got home. Oh, the finish line was amazing. Always. The finish line was amazing, man. And BZ, the music BZ sent me was actually pretty good. Nice, nice. Yeah, he sent me a ton of it. Sent me a ton of it, and uh, I got booked to, uh, I'm actually doing some uh, family photos for uh, Doobie. This weekend. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yep. Always good thing. Always good thing. Side work's always good. And I'll finally have your 50 extra bucks for your uh, one in the... Uh... <laughs> oh, that's true, yes, because now I'm only uh, three issues away. Yes. From being done with the complete Mr. Miracle series. Hmm. And you owe me two of them. <laughs> yes, I do. You're damn right, I do. But yeah, no, um, no, nonetheless, um, let's get to our question portion of the show. Cause we had a, World's I brought a question to you earlier this week. This was interesting. I actually been, I've actually been stewing on this question every day since you brought it up and, uh, do the honors. Oh yeah. yeah. My question, you know, with all the, uh, with all these new companies streaming online and with new companies you know, popping up, you know, such as AEW in the last three years. My question is, what makes, A, a world champion, 
and B, what constitutes world title status, specifically, obviously, in pro wrestling? You know, so my question is, like, back in the day, you know, we had the WWF title, we had the WCW world title, and we had the ECW world title. Correct. You know, and, of course, you know, you still had, like, the Mega Championship AAA, and you had the IWGP world title in, in Japan. But, like, what, you know, my question is, who may, like, who makes these world titles? And why would you constitute one title as a world title while this, another title in a different company would not be a world title? Excellent question. I have two questions to add to this fold. Okay. Number one, should AEW, considering the fact that they're working with Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan, AAA, should they create a global or, or something that's more all-encapsulating? Number two, number two, when we have the money to invest in it, should we create a minefields champ? <laughs> now, to answer your first bit of the question, I really had to stew on this for a while because obviously there's the problems with things such as like, Let's talk about baseball for a second. It's the World Series, but only America is invited. <laughs> or the United States is invited. And Canada. Yeah, well, I mean, and Canada. The Expos. <laughs> they got like two teams. Yeah, they got... They, they got but, uh, at, at most, it's North America. Yeah, at, at most, North America. Um, there's the Super Bowl. Uh, only, only the United States cares about actual American football as opposed to FIFA football, um, which is all-encompassing. And the reason I bring that up is because I was living in Guam in 2000, I think it was 2000, no, we went back in 2000, we went back to 2001, I think. And um, the World Cup was going on. Me and my buddy went into, we walked into a bar in Tuan Bay, and uh, Japan was playing, I don't know who it was, but the place was filled with Japanese drunken, crazy, FIFA-addicted, I've never seen crazier fans in my life. Okay. Just going completely nuts over a game. Mm-hmm. So there's that end of the spectrum. There's this end of the spectrum. There's the middle where we're calling some BS where it's the World Series. And my question to you is help me out on this. It, does it matter, like, is it a popularity contest? Is it a uh, a matter of who has the better wrestlers? Is it a matter of which indie fed stays true to their beliefs despite the fact that holding back like Super Dragon not you know releasing stuff online uh, and pro wrestling gorilla keeping them from making money like you get what I'm saying here? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean. It's definitely, like, I would say it's definitely, like, a, a, like, it's a respect thing more than anything else. Like, freaking, like, the WWE world title, you know, you can say it's a world title you want because they're, you know, available in so many countries. 
you know, they're, you know, it's nationally syndicated, it's national TV, it's international TV, and that's that's awesome. But like, I remember back in the day, it was like, you know, you know, everyone talks about the territory days. Yeah. Like, oh, the territory days were amazing. Blah blah blah. But like, the big deal was that if you were the the NWA World Champ back then, you were defending the title on a consistent basis against everybody all over the world. You would go from a place to place and defend against the top challengers. You know, and granted, it's it's still pro wrestling, so it's still you know whoever those in charge want to put against you. But you would you know you would wrestle the top the top guy in that territory. You know that that, that nowadays that's that's I would say AEW is probably the closest thing you can get to that because if the WWE goes and puts on a show in Japan, they might, if they want to do it, they might put the belt. It might be Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke Nakamura in the main event, but it's still a WWE guy versus the WWE guy. And don't forget, it's a hometown guy. He's going to (laughs) lose. Yeah. I mean, probably, but I mean, that's, you know, it is, it's still a WWE guy. Like they're not gonna. He's not gonna go to, you know, Roman Reigns ain't is not gonna be going to Japan and defending the belt against Okada. Ooh. That that's just not gonna happen. No. Like under under any circumstances. And 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 if I may, it would only expose Roman Reigns' inability to actually truly strong style. I don't know. That's that's the thing. You have, we've had this conversation previously about a guy like Santino. The way he's presented and what he can do are two completely different things. Yeah, yeah. You don't right. you don't necessarily know. Like you know, we talk. You know, people have talked about for a long time how much when Hulk Hogan would wrestle for New Japan Wrestling, he was a completely different wrestler than Hulk Hogan wrestling for just years later for the WWE. Or WWF, completely different wrestler. You don't know what he can and can't do when he's not wrestling under the WWE banner. Right? He might be a he might be amazing. He might be better. He might be worse. You know, freaking uh, you know, Drew McIntyre wrestled under that same banner. But you're gonna tell me if he left tomorrow and he went to New Japan and he wrestled Okada for the title, you wouldn't turn in to watch? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely would. <laughs> you know him, him, Bobby Lashley. You know, we've talked a great length about you know Lashley outside of WWE versus Lashley inside WWE. Right. You know, two completely different guys, and freaking, you know, Lashley's a freaking ridiculous athlete. He's amazing. Now, yeah. now, now, back to the world title status here, though. Uh, I, yeah. I think it has to do with gravitas, how much respect you have for your wrestlers, how much respect you have for working with other feds. Um, See, that, that's the thing I don't, the, 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 fed, the feds thing I don't agree with. Because like I said, WWE doesn't even want to acknowledge anybody else. They have, that's been a thing for a long time. Yeah, they get in trouble when the commentators mention other feds. Yeah. You know, it's a big deal when they do. And it's, nothing they do is without... The, uh, you know, the okay from the higher-ups. 
but I mean, because that's the thing, you know. Like I said, back in the day, the ECW world title was a you know constituted as a world title for a while, but guys like the Sandman held it, and Sandman was never known. You know, he was he was a definition of an entertainer. He was never a great wrestler from like a traditional standpoint, but people people loved him. Right. You know, so that that's that's the interesting part. Like when we talk about how it's the reach of the company, you know, does, I don't even think that really is a factor anymore because any, any place, any indie anywhere can get, can get their stuff online. Right. They can get something streaming, you know, and then all of a sudden, Oh, you know, we're streaming in all over the world. So it's a world title, you know, no, it's not like it's, it's cool, but you're, you know, you're fed in podunk wherever, you know, isn't a world title just because you're all over the internet. Right. No, it's, it's, it's cool to say, but you know, you're just kind of, you know, you're just saying it to get your rocks off. One of the things I love about every time they have anyone from new Japan come out in AEW is that lion is flashing everywhere. Mm-hmm. That, that line is flashing everywhere. Like, Gato freaking did whatever he pulled off. Like, yeah, when one of my guys sh- shows up, the New Japan King of Sports logo needs to be everywhere. <laughs> cool. Let's do it. It's a beautiful yeah. logo. Like, it, it means something to me. I've got the uh, Young Lion uh, rag line. You know, the, the baseball one. It's, mm-hmm. one my, it's one of my favorite shirts of all time. I wear it very sparingly. <laughs> Like, because I don't want anything to happen to it. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. But back to world title, I mean, like, well, if if it's not the gravitas between the feds, then then what is it? Is is it just that your your wrestlers are better, or or or, or the fact that you you've got a better online presence, or or you're better at marketing? Uh, promotion would definitely have a big thing to come into it because, like, you have to. You you've got to present you got to present your wrestlers like a big deal, you know. Freaking, that's one of the things like a place like Impact is really interesting, you know. Because I remember like Moose is a world champion right now, and like Moose is like a former you know played for the NFL, wrestled in Ring of Honor, you know, has been heavily heavily scouted by other wrestling feds. And like, but like, but is the is the Impact World Title a world title? Like, would you personally constitute it as a world title? No. Why not? Because it's it's it's. I sincerely doubt that very many people outside the United States watch Impact. Definitely Canada. Uh, obviously, Japan. But I I don't see their. Uh, demographics lighting up because when you post on youtube or soundcloud um it'll tell you what countries are downloading your stuff mm-hmm. and i don't see any other country maybe australia but very small little blip because there's you know it's it's uh, the population so concentrated in certain places in, in in australia uh the uk maybe but even then those guys are so devoted to their own feds that that um, I don't. I don't know if they care. 
No, the, I, I would say the UK definitely cares. Um, I know they re- they were really big for quite a time in India. Um, but I mean, that's the thing, you know what? What? But you know, so then it's international is what matters. Would you would you constitute the PWG world title as a world title? Yes. I, I you would. feel like they're they're more well known internationally as opposed to Impact? No, I don't. I don't think that at all. I think that because the the care the care they have placed into who they pick as champion and who they allow into their Fed, and that a lot of the people that wrestle for Impact and Ring of Honor um, or even AEW have into their contract. Yeah, I might not be able to wrestle anywhere else, but I I better be able to wrestle in PWG, and they're like. It's like PGBG is okay with everybody. That's not WB. So you're saying because of that, it's they're more important. Because mm. yeah. I couldn't, t- I couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell you who the PWG champion is right now. I couldn't either. But I just, but I mean, I, I, I could tell you who the, I could tell you, like I said, I could tell you who the Impact champion is. Yeah, we can... So I'm just not like I. That's the, that's the interesting part about it is I could think. I think it might come down to personal opinion for some of them. Well, it definitely comes down to personal opinion for me, and I gotta admit wholeheartedly here that I'm I'm an indie guy. I'm an indie guy when it comes to literally everything: movies, wrestling, comic books. I mean, like yeah, the the big feds are good. Like you know, we'll, we'll we're definitely gonna watch the new Batman movie, and that's great. But what matters to me is something's killing the children. Um, um, God, uh, Saga. Uh, I, I can I can go on. Like the, like I, like my heart is not something that is easily asked. What should be important because I like grassroots. I like people pulling themselves up on their bootstraps. I like watching uh, things grow. It's one of the things why I liked uh, being a part of the Bullet Club. Um, okay. And so, I I do have to tell you my opinion is very biased, but as a reporter, I can't not tell you that. It would be irresponsible for me to not tell you that. My my my, my tastes are are not mainstream. Okay. Well, I mean that's and like you said, it's it's your opinion. It's your taste. As valid as anybody else's. No, I appreciate the respect, man. And it's, it's but you, you've got a really good point here. Like, what does constitute a world champion? Like, like you got the best moves. Uh, everyone in the whole freaking planet likes you. Like, what is it? Well, I mean, it's definitely not that too. I mean, it's. I think it, like a lot of it would be reach. But like, would you constitute the ROH world title a world title right now? With their reach with New Japan. And um, working with progress every now and then, kinda. But is this a trick question? Like I'm, I'm, I'm no, I'm just I'm I'm interested. I'm legitimately interested in that, in finding out. No, just I'm, just, I'm going somewhere. I'm going somewhere with it. Just just a little not a trick bit. Question. Just a little bit of the ability that they know how to play ball with other feds within reason. I I would say that there might be a, a large contingency of people that would feel that, yeah, that might be a world championship. Okay. I don't personally think it's a world championship. I 
But they're using a lot of the same people that work for PWG. They really are. And their world champion is also the progress world champion right now. I get it. So unofficially, he holds two world titles if you constitute those as world titles. But how much wrestling can everyone pay attention to? If you have enough time, quite a bit. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's for sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, you got, you know, Jonathan Gresham, you know, and the thing is, too, is they've got their, their own by Tony Khan. Right. You know? But six months ago, they weren't owned by Tony Khan. And what, was it less of a world title then? Does the fact that the company's owned by a multi-billionaire change its title status? I don't think it does at all. I just I think it changes its perspective of its ability to reach more people. But that's that's a complete that that is one thing I think we can agree upon that makes a world champion is the ability to reach as many households as possible. I do. So I part of part of the thing I think is that I think it does it does enhance it depending on what kind of TV agreement they reach once they announce a TV agreement. You know, one of the things I'll tell you, um, not really a spoiler, because it's freaking Tony Khan, and he seems to have one every other week, is that they did, um, they set up for a big announcement next week. You know, with any luck, it'll be that, uh, you know, Ring of Honor's got a new TV deal somewhere. Please, God, whatever DD is listening to us, let, let, let us all, let that happen. No. And also, real quick, another mild spoiler since you didn't watch yet. Um, Jonathan Gresham is defending the Ring of Honor world title next, uh, I believe, Friday at Battle of the Belch 2 against Dalton Castle. Thank God he's back. I was worried they were going to, I was worried they were going to kick him. In the oh, he was, he was at the freaking show. He was at the pay-per-view. That's awesome, man. That guy, that guy, that guy owns man. That guy, I, I met him at the show, and he was mm-hmm. just a, he was just a freaking sweetheart. Just nice. just happy to meet you, and that you knew his name. He didn't care if you were wearing WB shirt. I was wearing a Walter shirt, by the way. Um, of course uh, you were. No, it was it was an accident. Uh, I traded my three uh, sixteen shirt for a Walter shirt. Uh, what was it? What was that? 2017, yeah, 20, nice. 2017 in in, uh, in New Orleans. Uh, we met these uh, German German folk, and uh, we all hit it off. And we traded shirts. And he wanted to tell me about this guy Walter that was training him in WXW or that on an offshoot of WXW. WXW. It was it was an offshoot of WXW called Ring Kampf. Mm-hmm. And uh, some some pretty big people have come out of that. Uh, I believe that Alistair Black came from that. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that that was, and so he he, I wanted him to feel legit that he had a real Stone Cold shirt, Re- worn like my it was my old ass Stone Cold shirt. Oh damn it! All right, three. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, Dark it, Phoenix Saga. Here we come. Yeah. <laughs> and um. And he wanted me to feel legit going to, you know, to, to Supercada Honor. We traded shirts that night. He slammed my head into the concrete outside the hostel. Like, we were legit, like, fighting. It was awesome. Like, in, in, 
yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun, and um, I, can't, I lost my train of thought on that one, man, but, um, oh, Dalton Castle. Um, yeah. Whatever we're Good talking dude. about, I'm just so relieved Ring of Honor <laughs> is, is protected now. <laughs> yeah, and the thing, about it, the thing about it is, too, on a side note, he had the original boys with him. He did. He did. He really did. Oh, dude. Mm. On, the, on the on the on the on the on the the picture they posted on the TV, it was him with the t- the Tate twins, who were the original boys. The, so with any luck, we'll you know we'll also see the return of the original boys, which will be phenomenal. But yeah, no. Um, I just well, that's you know that's my question though. Freaking is and one other thing. Would you constitute the NWA title in its current form as a world title? I guess I have two answers for that. I think Nick Aldis is one of the best champions that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. The way he worked with Cody, the way he works with the boys in, uh, in WA, it just... The way he does business... Absolutely pleases me. Okay. Second off, it's a it's an iconic championship belt. I mean, it's little. I mean, it's 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 tiny compared to what well, like the WWE belt is now, or even mm-hmm. the uh, even the uh, AEW belt, which is like heavy as hell. Um, yep. I would say in iconic status, yes, but that is only iconic to us in the states. Maybe a few other neighboring countries that might give a damn about it, but when it boils down to it, no. The thing about it is, is it's been it's been seen in Wrestle Kingdom in the last five years. Yes, it has. Rob Rob Conway has, so it's still it still has clout. Oh, I'm not saying, Plus, it, doesn't, I'm saying of, it doesn't have clout. I'm not saying it doesn't have clout. Yeah, they've had they've had guys on the New Japan roster as their world champions. Yeah, but now uh, Tenzin had it, held it within the last eight years, I believe. Yeah, but now the new kid in town is here. AEW. It's it's a it's a cloud over everything. Is it though? Not in a bad way, uh, but it's definitely detracting if you're trying to teach someone classic wrestling and what really matters and what started it and how it built up. Um, it's like, um, let's try talking about comic form wise. Like, um, it's like, um, <coughs> how we talk about black label and vertigo. Okay. We're like, you, you know, a little bit of vertigo. Mm-hmm. I know everything about vertigo. Okay. But right now, what you really digesting right now is black label. Mm-hmm. And black label is take it's it's bigger format, museum quality paper. I mean like all the bells and whistles are there. Yeah. You could argue that <coughs> the black label stuff might be better than the vertigo stuff. If you don't know the history. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know the history, does that mean you're a piece of crap? And you're lazy? No, you just you just showed up late to the show or just weren't born in the right decade. That's not your fault. That's not, that's not your fault at all. 
Um, but at the same time, though, there's history that needs to be learned. But we still have to pay attention to what people actually are paying attention to. <coughs> Black Label. WWE. Yeah. AEW. Ring of Honor? Kinda. New Japan? Kinda. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's great people. You know, definitely... Ever since the formation of AEW, people haven't been uh, paying to paying as much attention to New Japan. Oh, dude! Like, so does that does that mean the IWGP title isn't a world title anymore? Oh, the IWGP is one of my favorite belts of all time. I, I, it broke oh, my it's heart a gorgeous belt. It, it broke my heart when they changed it. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, that's the thing. Is it? Is it? Did it fall out? Of, is it falling out of favor to the point where you'd constitute it as not a world title anymore? Never, not in my life. Never, 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 never. But it's it's kind of like WWE, where they re- they very rarely bring in outside talents to wrestle for. That's correct, but we're talking about marketing wise now. We're talking about pay- mm-hmm. paying attention to wise. Like, and and I'm trying to argue for the sense of the guy that really likes the indies and doesn't want to pay attention to. I mean, it's it's I mean, it's not like we're it's not like it's um. 1992 and Pearl Jam is huge and I just don't want to listen because they're popular. That's not the deal. It's just okay. it's just not my bag. I want something I can relate to. I want something I can hold in my hands. I want something that <coughs> isn't going to cost me $200 to go see a show where they're bigger than life. Um, I'm arguing for the indie guys here. You're, you, okay. you, you've been there. You've seen it. You've seen it. Um, what's a good happy consensus we can we can reach here? Because I feel like we're at kind of a stalemate. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's a it's an open ended question. Like personally, I would say, <laughs> like if we had to if we had to rank top five world titles in in order, do you know how you would rank them? But it depends on the, how we're going to rank them. Are we ranking them in terms of like what's most popular and what people are paying attention to, or what I actually? I, 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 I would say wrong? purely opinion, purely opinion based. What would you What would you constitute as the five most important belts in pro wrestling right now? Number one, IWGP. Okay. Number two, All Elite Wrestling. Okay. Number three. Impact, number four, Ring of Honor, only because Ring of Honor hasn't been able to do anything since the pandemic. But Impact has been doing everything they can. Number five, I would say WWE, just because a stray fan might see a guy like like where I got, I got back into wrestling because I was at a liquor store on the day of, of WrestleMania. When Seth Rollins stole the championship, I was buying some booze, and some guy behind me had an Austin 316 shirt on, and I was like, hey, killer shirt. He's like, hell yeah, man. Today's WrestleMania. I'm like, really? And uh, he's like, yeah, it's, it's like 10 bucks on the on the network. I'm like, what network? And um, now, <clears throat> I... History dictates the best Raw of the year is the Raw After Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I heard about a network, but I thought it was going to be like you know back in the day, like where I never we never got to watch it because my mom and dad weren't going to throw down eighty bucks for a pay per view. Yeah, 
and I didn't have wrestling friends. Um, so it was purely off of that dude's shirt. I'm back. I'm back. But how many other people got to that spot? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally. Um, in terms of importance from an indie guy, that's my list. Okay. That's my list. And to a lesser extent, uh, Progress, <coughs> WSW, um, whatever the hell is running in Australia that manages to bring whoever they can afford to get them there just to let them see a killer show, which, you know, bless them for, for all of that. Um, but like I said, man, like, uh, in, in, in my final statement here, like where you're super stoked about your, your run of, uh, like what, 141 through 450 of uncanny. I feel just as excited of my, uh, complete lady death. Uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple lady death sets. There are only like eight comics that I feel just as excited as, as you with the, all your uncannies. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, totally. I mean, everyone's, everyone's got their thing. Like it's, you know, I, I like I said, that. you can't, you can't, I, you can't pick and choose. And like, like, I can't be like, I'll oh, screw you. You don't, you know, you don't like what I like. Yeah, no, it no, doesn't. That's not doesn't make any sense. That's not what we yeah. do here. No, no, no. It's it's total discourse, and and I, I love the fact that we're able to have that. I, I've heard podcasts talk about who's the best fed, and it turns into a like monkey crap throwing at the zoo, man. Like people get pissed mm-hmm. off, they start getting offended that you don't believe what I believe in. Like, no, that's not what we do here at Minefields at all. No, yeah. You you celebrate my wins when I find a, a dawn number two, the way I celebrate you finding your your X Men number ninety seven. Like yeah. like like I, I'm just happy I was there, man. Like we rolled in like ballers. <laughs> we rolled in like ballers, and and uh, I just hope this conversation will help people understand their fellow wrestling brethren to have it an honest explicit conversation where the other one isn't like hey F you but WWE's better what are you stupid like not once did you look at me like like oh come on man like what are you talking about no you didn't give me that crooked eye you didn't you didn't give me that uh cause I expect that not from you but I expect that from everyone else other than you and Colin yeah. when, I, when I express my opinions on pretty much everything um have this conversation with your with your homies like, can you imagine, like, I, I really hope someone can hear this conversation and be like, hey, my friend uh, Sven really likes WXW. What the heck are these minefields guys talking about? Hey, Sven, what's this WXW stuff? Let me show you. Oh, my God, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. But, uh, but it, it still deviates from the topic of what a world champion is. I mean, like, I mean, that 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 involves a lot of, like, demographics and what people are able to act. I mean, you and I have immediate access to the internet everywhere we go. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You can go into that. You can go into uh, major league wrestling, freaking, there's all kinds of stuff, you know. But I would, you know, my top five, I'd say WWE titles, number one. Okay. AEW's number two. IWGP would be three. Impact, four. 
And fifth place, I'm tied between ROH and NWA. But I would give ROH the slight nod yeah, due to their relationship with uh, Tony Khan, as well as the fact that Jonathan Gresham went out of his way to make sure that that title was recognized and promoted while the company wasn't able to run shows. And I think that is super commendable and freaking, you know, in those dark times, he was kind of a light and, you know, good on him for that. I got to say this. I'm going to go ahead and put a stamp on this. This is the best conversation I've ever had about wrestling. Nice. It like it, it always involves people getting personal or bringing up who like we didn't once bring up who our favorite people were in the entire time. But but yeah. anytime I ever talked about this, even on a lesser level, not about world title level, it becomes personal. Like like, like what you don't like what I like or you're not part of our group. Um, oh, yeah, no, the, the tribalism in all sports, wrestling can be one of the worst. But, yeah, if you're, like, um, me versus you or my fed versus your fed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, that stuff can happen. You know, we've seen it on a on a local level. We've seen it on a national level. We've seen guys go out of their way to defend their product as opposed to somebody else's product. Yeah. And... and like, as a guy that's been involved in wrestling for a long time, you should feel pride in what you do. You should feel pride in your matches. You should feel pride in the in the promotions you work for. You know, if you if you don't think your place, your home base is the best, why do you work there? Why are you there? You know, as simple as that. You know, and it's not, it's, you know, you don't necessarily have to go out on the internet and be like, you know, screw you, my place is better than your place. But you should feel that pride and being like, you know, I only want to work for the best feds I can, so I work here. Right. You know, and another thing that I, I'm, I'm going to put us over here is that you and I, within Colorado, have created something completely unique. Completely, I would agree. Completely unique. Um, there were times where we were going to work for two feds and we decided not to, um, despite what happened. But I believe in our fed. This was the fed I always wanted to work for. This was the one I always wanted to get to, but like I couldn't always get a Saturday off. Uh, yeah. But then when I see it building, it's not even being part of the cool kids. But at the same time, though, everyone knows, and I'm going to say it just one last time for anyone listening, package deal. Yeah. Package deal. If something happens where one or the other decides to put the foot down, it's not happening. You know that I cannot, in good conscience, put a good a photo out that's bad with our logo yeah. on it. With our logo on it. They see Minefields, they see Tony, and they see Josh. Yeah. 
we're doing we're doing flyers for pretty much everyone except two feds. Certain places, yeah. Two feds. And not because we don't want to, but because, you know, just you know, neither here nor there. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk crap on anybody. But we've de- we've developed a thing where Please don't piss Josh off because he's gonna tell Tony. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's just, you know, you find you know, you find people you wanna work with, you work with them, freaking hopefully you make something worthwhile. You know, and that's really the thing. Yeah, I've told people yeah, yeah, new era before, you know, I think this is the best group of people in the state. It's it's hands you know, down and the best group. You know, in all honesty, if you're working for another Fed, you should think that Fed's the best thing going. If you're work, if that's your home Fed, hundred cool. You know, you do you. But there ain't no, ain't no shade, ain't no anger. No, ain't no anger, no shade, you know? no nothing. It is no, what it is. No nothing. And you we, know, we do photos for just, everyone that wants to do ball with us, yeah. and, and then we do, uh, we do the the flyers. We we do whatever. But then when it comes to And that's it, that's the thing though, freaking if you have if you've got three different promoters for three different feds with the exact same locker room, all the same guys. I've said it publicly before. Freaking that each one of the three guys in charge is gonna put the show together a completely different way. Yep. It just is it just is what it is. You know, if it's exactly the same thing, one of the guys is copying the other guy. You know? And freaking, you know, nothing wrong with that. You know, I, you know, I have my way. I like presenting a product. Other people have their way of presenting a product. It's the same way, you know, we're having this conversation where I, you, me, may not agree on world title status for a particular Fed. Right. Nothing wrong with that. It's opinion based. It's all this is. You know, you can have your opinions. You can think one place is better than the other. You can think you can have your favorites. You're going to literally human nature. Human nature. Human nature. It, it, it happens. And, and the best part about it is that what it all boils down to is the entire ethos of what we built minefields on is we're walking through minefields. We never yeah. have – you and I have never had an argument. You and I have never gotten shitty with each other. We just talked it out. Yeah. And, We've had to have a couple of serious conversations here and there, but it's never been disrespectful. No. no it, 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 it never even got to the border of like where I'm about to get pissed off and say something crappy. Uh, it's always been about respect, respecting the feds around us. If, mm-hmm. if they don't like us, that's cool. We're going to do our own thing. We're still, we're, if you, if we see it a show, we're still going to shake your hand because we're still happy to see you. You might be doing, cause you're doing something different. That's fine. Go do it. God bless you. Go, go do it. <clears throat> but what you, what you're saying is, is paramount. Like, um, in in my opinion, New Era is the goddamn best. It's another dollar. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> That's four. That's four. That's four. I'm gonna get my Dark Phoenix as soon. We we got. I mean, like there there's there's wrestlers that only will wrestle for specific feds, but like we have, and I'm not gonna say their names because I don't want anyone to think that we're calling them out that they don't want to work for the feds, but. Our locker room is a paramount of respect. Yeah. Our execution yeah. 
is our execution. Jesus, man, if anyone knew what was going on before the show, before what they saw on Saturday of what we were going through, or even last month, <laughs> like that that we still pulled it off, like nothing happened, like like yeah. But me running around like a maniac trying to get three things done before showtime. Hey, don't forget, we almost joined the uh, <laughs> we almost joined the frost uh, frost game. <laughs> the Captain That's Cold. True. We saw Captain, <laughs> we saw Captain Cold at a Lowe's in freaking Littleton <laughs> after driving by Wonder Woman in the spring. <laughs> after driving by Wonder Woman, throwing a freaking baton on the like this is not a joke, minefielders. We literally saw this. Wonder Woman was literally throwing baton and got into her, her invisible jet, aka her uh, 2002 uh, Honda Pilot, and cruised off. <laughs> and then we go to Lowe's and we see Captain Cold over here. Yeah, and, and we're just like, just we look like we're still or taking stuff we shouldn't be taking, which we did pay for. Yeah, well, we and we're just like the whole time we're joking around about how the cops are going to try to pull us over. And freaking Captain Cold's going to come to save the day, and we're going to join the rogues. Kid, we were in the serial killer aisle buying, buying uh, duct tape and zip ties. <laughs> which which we paid for separately. Yes, we paid for separately. And then on the way out of there, we see Patty the Daytime Hooker pushing her cart. <laughs> sure. And then, and then in Josh, hindsight... Josh is a repeat customer. Uh, well, the, you're the one that took us to that part of town, brother. <laughs> I didn't know you knew each other. I, I would have given you a couple of uh, the discounts from the penny saver. Like, she's got them every week, man. <laughs> I gotta love a My Name is Earl reference. <laughs> Hell yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, it's freaking, it's chaotic, but it, you know, once bell time hits, freaking all systems go, and we put on a hell of a show. You know, come check us out May the 14th for May the 14th be with you. My iComics on Jason Street, Denver, Colorado. You'll pay for the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge, brother. If you miss this, you better be dead or in jail. And if you're in jail, jail, break out. Break out. Let's take a quick break, Ski. We'll get into some comics. Shazam. Shazam. Guys, we're back. Had to take a quick break to on that one. Talking about wrestling for quite a while, but like we do, we get against the comics. Now, I want to get into Nightmare Country number one. Make sure I'm coming my levels are coming in good. All right, good. Now, you said this is, a, is this a Black Label book or is it Sandman, you said? This is a Sandman Universe book. Nightmare Country, written by okay. James Tinney the Fourth. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, we love that guy. Now, when I was uh, decorating my bedroom, um, I had to make sure I, I, I surrounded myself with the endless, but I did not leave out some key people. I didn't leave okay. out Daniel. I didn't leave, I didn't leave out Cain or Abel, and I certainly did not leave out the Corinthian. The Corinthian is the... Where Morpheus is the king of dreams and nightmares mm-hmm. and, like, gods are born and die within the dreaming. Like, basically, any 
any entity that is in existence in all of the multiverse are slaves to the endless. Like they're, they're the the these beings are universals. Death, destruction, despair, desire. Um, I. They're all anthropomorphic ideas and ideals that any culture within our frame of mind would be able to understand and encapsulate everything. Now, within Morpheus, his his realm is the dream. Like I said, gods are born there, gods die there. When you fall asleep and you dream, you go to the dreaming. Now, he created a, a being called the Corinthian. The Corinthian, mm, the Corinthian is a living nightmare. He has mouths for eyeballs. Like, he's got teeth there. Wears glasses. He's basically orange... <laughs> he's basically orange Cassie uh, with uh, mouths for eyes. <coughs> Literally. Like, okay. white shirt, jean jacket, everything. Same haircut. Well, we get to a gentleman... Uh, a woman here, actually, who is uh, at a club talking about her dreams, how she is never able to remember them, but she was able to remember them when she was a child, but they would get so intense that she was able to shut them off. Now, she's at a club. This is all watercolors, by the way. It's gorgeous. And she sees an entity in the club that has... Uh, it's like... so. The entity within the Endless called Despair is, like, kind of a big, like, fat... I don't even know how to... Like, best way to describe it. A big, dumpy, fat chick with her boobs hanging out and ponytail. And she's got this ring with a hook on it that she's constantly just digging into her lip. Like, when you feel despair, you look into the mirror, you see despair. And uh, it's it's a bigger version of it, almost like a clay face version, but her eyeballs are missing, and instead of teeth, there's tongues coming out. And she sees it, and, like, and then it's gone. And then we flash to the gentleman that she was in the club with, that they just hooked up at her dorm. And in her dorm are all these paintings of, of uh, abstract or neo-impressionist, versions of paintings of a guy with, uh, or an entity that has teeth for eyes and in, in many different forms. And he goes into the dream world and the Corinthian is like, Hey, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? And this is a dream. Yeah, it's a dream. And he's like, wow, these are gorgeous paintings. Who, who did these? And, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, this isn't part of the dream. This isn't how it always has happened. And, uh, are you gonna eat my eyes? Yes. Yes I am. The the thing about the Corinthian is is that he has a uh, he's kind of a rogue spirit within the dreaming because within one of the first uh, major storylines of the Sandman was a um I believe it was a doll's house where there was a convention in God knows where Ohio Indiana, but it was basically a bunch of pedophiles meeting up to go do a bunch of pedophile stuff. Oh, wow. And, um, 
our heroine of the story, she happened to be involved. The Corinthian was very, very intrigued with this because it was a bunch of the worst of the worst getting together to do what they want to do. So he comes, out of, he comes out of the dreaming and he executes a couple of them. The eating of the eyes with the eyes is the fact that the eyes are the windows to the soul. Eating the eyes is he's eating souls. And the, the Sandman, uh, Morpheus, has many times had to kill the Corinthian and bring him back. Because he's necessary within the dream. But he gets to a point every now and then where he needs to be stopped and then basically erased and bring back the original version. Like uh, It just evolved to a point where he, it was almost beyond his own control. Okay. So he shows up in this this guy's dreams as he's, you know, finished, you know, banging this chick and they have an awkward goodbye and why don't you cover up these paintings and he leaves and there's a knock at the door and this guy's like, hey, uh, I'm going to see these paintings and he forces his way in. And she's she's like half naked covering up, you know, she's obviously still like, like some guy just came and begged me and then took off and then didn't like my paintings and now you're in my dorm and what are you doing here? And he's like, these are really nice. Where did you see these? And And then he smiles at her. And then we get to another point where someone else is having dreams about the Corinthian. And the Corinthian is telling a story about how he eats souls. And how he has a diary of the souls that he has not only devoured, but poisoned. Oh, geez, okay. But poisoned. There, there's, a, there's an older gentleman that uh, when he was uh, 14, he was looking to the mirror. Do you ever, do you, do you remember that? Did you ever watch Poltergeist? Do you remember that scene where the guy was looking in the mirror and he starts chipping at his face and he ends up pulling his whole face off? Mm-hmm. Well, imagine a 14-year-old that looks into the mirror and doesn't see his own eyes in his face. He sees teeth. And he starts pulling at himself and feeding parts of his own body to the eyes. And uh, that happened when he was... 14 and has refused to ever look in a mirror or ever have a mirror in his household and how how the Corinthian still lives off the fear that that man has and we we go back to where the Corinthian you know barges his way into this woman's uh, apartment or, or dorm and then we get to an interesting scene where this gentleman is his jaw is almost completely ripped off and he's being uh, followed. He's on a pier. It looks like Miami. Uh, look now, Mr. Agony. Isn't this a sorry sight? This guy's just like clawing for his life. Mr. Agony says, I can't look. I have no eyes. He, he's got like the BDSM mask. His eyes are clawed up and covered, but he, you can see his face. And I'm afraid I cannot see Mr. Ecstasy. And Mr. Ecstasy has his face pinned, his mouth pinned back, and pins and nails. And his eyes opened up like a jester. And like, well, this guy saw something he wasn't supposed to see. And he's like, my friends have money. That's really good for them. Happy they have money. Not going to help you. Uh, and then crushes this guy's skull. And uh, Mr. Rexy, you really look like you enjoy that. I always enjoy things to the to the most. 
And uh, it turns out that there is a girl in New York right now that saw something that she shouldn't have seen. And we have to go get her. So right now, James Tinian is writing a story about the Corinthian, one of the most unabsolvable characters within the Sandman universe. Like, like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, absolutely unabsolvable. There's, like, unless, like, he was freshly resurrected, um, could you have a conversation with him without until he starts his... He's obsessed with serial killers. Like I said, he went to the, the pedophile convention just to go eat the worst of the souls. And, oh, geez, okay. and now some woman had visions of the Corinthian that these two people who I have never experienced within the uh, Salmon universe, and I'm quite astute with it, are going to go after this girl. And the artwork changed three times in this book. Okay. And, and I just love James Sinian. And at the end, at the, at the end of it, uh, on the pier, the, uh, the weird, um, like I said, almost Clayface-esque version of the Corinthian with the tongues for eyes is just, she comes out of the, she comes into the light, not out of the darkness, just was there. <laughs> like, uh, like was there just licking the blood out of her eyes. And, and then we get to the, the advertisement for uh, the nice house on the lake <laughs> hope you didn't fall asleep on those ones friends because if you did you're screwed <laughs> good luck nah. dude this one really boiled my potatoes man I mean just like it was like I, I read it in my car today and, and like the, the, the astute environment I was in where I it's like 40 degrees, it's a little bit breezy, it's overcast. But mm-hmm. like, you, you ever see when they open the box in Hellraiser and all of a sudden the lights dim? And, yeah. And lights start shining at places that shouldn't be shining? That's that's how terrifying this, this book was. It, it was amazing. Uh, I, I, I wanted to hold off for dark on this one, but we got to do the other one before we do that one. Um, I just wanted to let you know that is how dark and how under the skin, under your fingernails, under your, like, like the, the worst fears you have. Yeah. Tinian will find it. And bring them to life. Dun, dun, dun. Through, through the Corinthian? I don't know how to even place it. <laughs> Like it, was, ah, it sounds like a sounds like a great read, man. Tinian's always, you know, he's been delivering for years now. We call them. Yeah. We call them. We've been telling everyone since pretty much day one, Tinian. Yeah. Yeah, we were investing in being by Uncle Todd a new, uh, another extension to his house and. The whole time Tinian's just been giving you the goods. Yeah, Tinian's been giving you the goods, and like Tinian's like probably, uh, you know, you know the amount of money we put into Tinian. Let's just say he's got to pick us up in his Tesla at least. <laughs> oh, you think he drives the Tesla? He's got the money for it. We paid for it. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably not wrong. <laughs> what you got next, man? 
Uh, let's see. Let's go with. Start off a little lighter here. Got a X Force twenty seven. A little lighter. <laughs> a little lighter. <laughs> All right. Just uh, some brain suckers. <laughs> no big, no big deal. Yeah, we uh, we start off with a uh, Wolverine in uh, Cradle Four, the point in Krakoa, and he's just kind of thinking about um, the events of you know. Ten lives of Wolverine, X lives of Wolverine. You know, and he's kind of going over the thought process of utilizing, um, you know, the Cerebro helmet and chasing after Omega Red with it. You know, and he's just kind of like, you know, talking about how you know he risked everything for Kokoa, not just his life, but this whole timeline. You know, and as he's leaving, bless you. We see the the blue X on the helmet turn to red and then start glistening. And it almost looks like it's coming alive. And the last thing we see is uh, inside where the monsters hide. You know, and we show up with a beast talking to the Quiet Council about the events of Omega Red and what they're going to do with them, you know. And Beast, of course, wants to banish him and um, destroy all the files on him. That way he cannot be resurrected. And then Sage walks in talking about how uh, X-Force has many voices and how she'd like to speak for him. And they end up talking about how while they... uh, While... Omega Red did some horrible things. They did some horrible things to Omega Red to kind of push him to this point. Now, and she, before we get too far, if anyone came up to you and said, we need to kill a guy, no questions asked, he did something real bad. Oh, but I, I, I want to talk about something. Hey, bitch, shut up. Oh, damn it. <laughs> yeah, Dark Phoenix, here you come. Um, Six dollars. His objection to her objection was so telling. What else do we not know? Because we, like, within these pages, I mean, we get all these dossiers. And, and granted, uh, within these dossiers, like, we've gotten less and less redacted things. But the mm-hmm. more and more we read of what Beast is writing, the more and more it is evil. And and just... It, not everyone knew what they had done to Omega Red on the Quiet Council. Yeah. So that's why it was up for debate. It was open up for debate. Yeah, he, he messed with the timeline. He sided with the Ruskies. Uh, yeah, but even the Ruskies rejected him. But even then, he found out that we killed him, resurrected him, knowing we could have fixed what was going on with the with the carbonatium synthesizer, so he wouldn't have mm-hmm. needed it, and then found out all the the other things that we were doing to manipulate him. We we gave him abstinence, pure absolvence, yep. and we betrayed him. How are we not in the wrong here? And Beast is like, hell no. Why are you, why are you letting this girl talk? Aren't I the head of X-Force? 
shouldn't yeah, everything right. I say be like there's that be is law. A, that is a tell. That is a mm-hmm. big tell that I'm hiding something. Yeah. You know, we see everyone talking about it, and we see Colossus standing up for him, talking about, you know, as Colossus is obviously of Russian descent and a Russian mutant himself, you know, how they can utilize him as a tool, basically. Right. But, you know, Sage talks about how they need to give him a little something-something first by kind of fixing what's wrong with him and actually giving him a second chance as opposed to, you know, giving him a chance, but... On their terms. Correct. You know, Beast is just stuck here listening to this while this is going on. You know, and they're like, and, you know, Sage is over here. We need to make amends for what we did to him. You know, and it might not work, but we've got to at least give it a try. Give him a chance. Because that, that's not fair. Uh, and I, I agree wholeheartedly I with with Sage. Like, what, what happened to Omega Red was wrong. Like, um... When he came to the island, he was incessantly hunted. Mm-hmm. Incessantly hunted and and, and and poked and prodded. Wolvie even messed with him, too. Just leave the guy alone. Like, he just doesn't want to die. And and they don't have to feed him bodies. They, they figured out whatever they did. I can't remember exactly what it was. But um, when he found out... And, and 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 then when Colossus gets up and immediately goes to Silver Form, like, don't piss me off. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, now they finish up with the council. The um, Professor X tells them they're going to decide what they want to do. And then as Sage and Beast are walking off, you know, they notice a data surge in one of the cradles, and then it turns out that it went dark. And that the Cerebro helmet is offline. Right. And then we see Forge kind of checking up on what's going on. And he says, oh, well, I'm here for maintenance, you know. And then he goes to the helmet and finds out that it's not there anymore. And he turns around and just says no as all these uh, tentacles, mechanical tentacles, grab him. You know, and then we go back to we go back to the rest of X Force, just kind of still debating the thought process of on Omega Red. Should they revive him? Should they not? Should he get the second chance that everyone talks about? You know, Domino's talking about how you know Wolverine's saying, eh, maybe not. You know, I don't want to get in bed with a monster, no matter how many bad moves I've made in my life. And then Domino turns around and is like, hey, you know, you of all people. You know, need to, you know, should be all about second chances. Look what you were before the X-Men found you. Correct. And then and then they turned to Kid Omega, of all people. You know, and he's just like, you know, back in the day, I would have just been like, you know, screw him. You know, just, just get rid of him. No big deal. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, but at the end of the day, you know, sometimes, you know, if he goes rogue, whatever, I'll kill him myself. And I'll, as he puts it, his strawberry soda on his grave. You know, that's what it takes, but maybe we need to give this guy another shot. That was... I had to pause when I read that. I read it three times because mm-hmm. everything I know... I read that scene three times just to make sure I didn't miss anything. That was Kid Omega. 
Yeah. Sober, no hubris, no BS. I'm better than everyone. Like, listen, I almost erased uh, S-Man out of my mind. Um, we've got, we we got to take the high road here. I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah, we're definitely seeing the, the mature maturation of Kid Omega. Like, he's definitely not the guy from Generation X or no. New X-Men that was all about himself. You know, he's definitely, he's maturing. You know, he's he's a different person than he was before he met Phoebe and before, you know, back when he was at the school. You're right. You're right. You know, and then freaking, you know, Beast is worried that the first thing he's going to do is kill him, you know. What if Omega had killed us in our sleep? And then Domino with the line of the night being like, hey, Beast, maybe you should sleep with one eye open, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then we we go to Black Tom Cassidy, who's apparently the uh, talking with the Green, and the Green's telling him something's wrong. And he goes to find out more about what's going on with Kokoa. You know, and he, and he finds Forge. And the Cerebro helmet has taken him captive. And unlike previous times, Black Tom Cassidy's gotten the heck out of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. And then we show up with a beast on Araco. Uh, Abigail Brand. And Abigail Brand shows up, his ex-girlfriend, who also works for Orcus, possibly as a double agent, possibly not as a double agent. You know, and it's it's really funny because we, you know, for the first time in a long time, we kind of see Beast kind of drop his guard a little bit. I don't trust it. Yeah, we're not, you know, not really sure what's going on with it. You know, is this... You know, is this the beast of old? Is it, you know, you've said it many times that you think this is actually Dark Beast? Yes. You know, and, you know, I've, I haven't read X Men in a long time. And freaking this, you know, this version of Beast, I'm not so sure about, you know. But this is the first time since X Force started that we really see Beast let his guard down and let somebody else in. You know, she actually pokes her finger in his eye socket where his eye used to be. Yeah, she wanted to touch it, but that's it's still such a a BS uh emotional connection there. Like that that's nothing. Uh the thing about Beast is despite the fact of all of the mistakes he's made, uh he always has compassion. Mm-hmm. He always has compassion, despite the fact of some of the things he did in X Force before, like back in like you know two thousand, uh, I want to say two thousand seven to two thousand maybe fifteen within the pages of X Force. There was always compassion in Beast. I mean, like even if we rewind to the uh, animated series, Beast could have easily broke out of that jail. Oh, yeah, back in episode three. Yeah, like, it was one of the best parts, but, like, when we finally got to see Beast, and, mm-hmm. and and he was presenting his case and waiting for his day day in uh, in court. In day in court, yeah. And and this is this is not that. And uh, if you have not read uh, Marauders, uh, they brought back, like, so Black Tom Cassidy is feeling all this blood being spilled. 
but he did like mm-hmm. in the pages of Marauders. He did not know there's a secret like archipelago or what do you want to call it? Archipelago. Archipelago that Cassandra Nova is living on. Um, mm. she is living alive and well, and she's okay now. I'm happy. Like I'm not a bad guy anymore. I I, I may be the evil version of of uh, Xavier. Um, almost like like we're um. Uh, Constantine, you know, killed his twin in the womb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this was more like the idea of what Xavier was forming of his dream and who he was created an evil version of himself, and it manifested itself as Cassandra Nova. I mean, so it, it, Grant Morrison created it. And yeah. Black Tom Cassidy has no idea of of, of this archipelago. <laughs> archipelago. Archipelago. And now we see him get absorbed, and then we end up with, you know, I mean, she just wants to touch the eye. Okay. Like, Beast ain't that guy. Yeah. Beast ain't that guy, and then we get the, I strongly believe we should take a chance with Omega Red. The more Russian mutants we have in Krakoa, the better our chances, whether we are speaking of war or diplomacy. Colossus. <laughs> but don't forget, Colossus is still, and he's still under control of his brother. Yeah, Mikhail still has uh, control over his brother, as far as we know. Now, now, take point on this on on this on this sermon here, because I'm still beside myself on it. Yeah. So they brought, uh, they ended up bringing back Omega Red, and the first thing he does is tries to kill Beast. <laughs> Which of course he does. Of course he does. But uh, you know, they let him go, and you know, Colossus is trying to talk to him. Be, you know, Colossus is obviously there trying to play point man, telling him, "Hey, you know, this is you know, we're going to pretend this is your first time walking through these gates. We're trying. We're going to give you an opportunity to prove us wrong, basically. You know, and he just turns around. And he's like, "It's not I who requires forgiveness." He's not wrong. And as he walks off by himself, he's just like give you know Colossus just like give him time, you know. And as uh as they get beached up, he's like I'm fine, but you know we need to worry about Black Tom because we see Black Tom's face saying help in the ground, and they go to they go to find him, and turns out you know he wasn't able to escape uh, Cerebro Forge. As much as he would have liked, obviously. Right. And, you know, he's just like, you know, details are hazy. I, you know, knocked my nog and something good. Reckon it seems the only way, uh, the only way to get away. And Kid Omega's like, I'm going to do a full scan on him. And Wolverine's just like, you know, you're not the only one whose head got hit. And we turn around and we see Forge's body, but we see half his head gone. Oh, that was gnarly. (laughs) Yeah, and... So apparently the uh, Cerebro uh, basically killed Forge, stole his brain, sucked his brain, and out. is now hanging hanging out in Kokoa with Forge's brain. So we have got one heck of a cliffhanger leading uh, into the next issue. I, I I can't remember a good cliffhanger like this in quite a long time. Because uh, I mean, uh, you know, what are they going to do next? 
you know, Forge hasn't been seen over an overly large amount so far. You know, he's an awesome character that never really gets his due, in my opinion. He never does, man. He's the he's the nice guy that Storm loves, but not really. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of the top utility players in all of the X universe. He's always there when you need something, and he can you know he can make anything. But it'll be real interesting to see what they do with him. You know, and I mean, obviously they can just make another forge. But, you know, we got, we have a robot walking around with the brain of the top inventor in all of Marvel. The one that can create pretty much Sort anything. of possibly Tony Stark. I would, Maybe even smarter than Tony Stark. I would say he's smarter than Tony Stark because he's smart enough not to do some things. And, like, where Tony created extremists, he's done so many things. Uh, Ultron. Like, there's so many things he should mm-hmm. never have done. I, I like the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that Ford should not have done was make that anti mutant uh gene suppressor. Gun? Yeah. 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 And I mean not only is he a genius inventor, able to invent anything with a thought, but he's also his uh you know, as a Native American, he's got um I believe this is basically like a medicine man. Yep. From what I understand. Yes, sir. So he's got that knowledge as well. So it could be super interesting to see a storyline that really focuses on Forge. We we need more Forge, that's for sure. Something. Yeah, and if nothing else, nothing else, it'll be super different because you know, like I said, how often is he really utilized in the forefront of comics? Man, the last time I really got psyched about Forge is when we found those old Barry Windsor Smiths uh, over at Ed's. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we move on to anything else, um, X-Men Red, um, the Shi'ar, the rules of engagement are changing. We, we're, we are in a space where Araka is now Mars, and mm-hmm. or Mars is now a rock out, and we've got a we've got a goddess controlling everything. the The whole issue X Men read was the boundaries that Storm is going through in her mind of being someone that is the head X Men in control, and people want to recognize her as a goddess or queen, and. The rules of engagement within the Shi'ar have poisoned her mind, and are also a um, like a antithesis storm has poisoned her brain as well. And we find that Magneto, uh, with his tail between his legs, because we just like like we why we hate Joseph, <laughs> and you know. Uh, all those things where, where Magneto is the, the reluctant, oh, I'm so sorry. Or, so this is after he left the Quiet Council, I'm assuming? Yes, and he has found a island on Araco that he thinks is unpopulated to build his place to die. And there is a, uh, a fisherman, and he's like, are you native here? And he's like, yeah, but not really. What does that mean? And he's like, I'm just here. 
And, well, I was trying to build a quiet place for myself. Well, do what you got to do, but, like, if you're a fisherman, fish. If you're a hunter, hunt. Um, but do not bother me. I'm here. And are you native here? No, I'm not. And as they're having this conversation, uh, Magneto takes a small sliver of that, like, like that super metal that they are importing out of Mars and builds himself a castle. And him and this gentleman have a conversation. And he's like, well, where are you from? And he's like, I'm, I'm from Morocco. And he's like, well, what's your meat and power? And he's like, I don't have meat and power. Are you a human? And he's like, no, I'm not a human. I was not born on... I was not born on Earth. I was born in Morocco. I've been tortured my entire life. No, I'm free. And if you want to fish, I'll help you fish. If you want to share, like... So there's a, there's an actual human being organism on a rock out. Pretty much unauthorized. Pretty much unauthorized. But is ignored because he's been on a rock out since the beginning. And the antithesis storm takes over her mind. That there should be no, there should be no thrones on a rock out. She destroys the throne. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of background noise, man. Oh, gotcha. Um, and uh, she comes back as Mohawk Storm with her eyes crossed. She's she's and crossed over. I mean, like she's full on taken over by evil storm. And she says it had been proposed to Magneto that Araka needs a team of X Men. And who should be the leader? Oh, me. And she's like, no, it should be the Brotherhood. That's the Brotherhood, you say? Yes. And she just said the brother, not Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, just brother. Mm-hmm. But we've got Mohawk, we've got Leatherback, um, you know, more like the good one. Nice, <laughs> the good one. So, uh, what was uh, it was the Shadow King that controlled her when she was a kid, right? Yes. No, I never finished what was going on in New Mutants because I got bored. Did you? Okay. I did not. No, I just picked up the one issue. Because the the Shadow King was like reigning supreme and controlling things for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Shadow King had uh, at least four of the New Mutants in the issue I read that were working with him, but they weren't uh, weren't possessed as of yet. That. From what I understood, yeah, I don't, I don't. Either we didn't read them, or we just they haven't come out yet. But I'm thinking they haven't come out yet because we've been keeping up with everything. But I, I haven't been keeping up with New Mutants, so I couldn't tell you. I just picked up the one issue randomly, and it was all right, but it wasn't anything. Because like it's like the X books are really like, you know, you're gonna have to get them all to get the full the full scope of everything. But there's man. there's a lot of them, and they're all hitting different aspects yeah. of this mutant, this new mutant country, basically. I'm just glad they cut off X-Factor, because that was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, they cut out everything. Uh, Excalibur became, the, they changed it to the Knights of X, which right. is coming out in the next week or two. 
And freaking, they killed off Hellions, which sucked because I loved Hellions. That was the best one. Mm-hmm. That was the best one, man. Like, um, uh, oh, yeah, I wish they'd have kept that one going. Oh, was it was it within Hellions that they brought back uh, Madeline Pryor? Yeah, and they never finished that. No, the uh, the last issue they did, she uh, they finally brought her back to life, and because Havoc wanted her back. Yeah, but that was it. And that was yeah, and that's where it ended. And then it ended with um. Psy- uh, Psylocke slash Quanon on the beach with uh, the former scalp hunter. I can't remember what his new name is. But they were, you know, kind of seeming like they might get together. And then that was kind of just it. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, loose ends. And I can I can understand it, man. Like, there's so many books going on. I can... I mean, as long as they don't ditch something and make us feel stupid for getting invested in something, because don't don't tease me with a good time with Madeline Pryor. Yeah. No. And that's the thing, man. Inferno freaking was an awesome read, and back in the day, the original Inferno, not the one that came out last year. Though that one was equally, that one was also really good. I can't wait for you to read. It's just not the one I'm talking about. I can't wait for you to read Necrotia. She 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 goes back to Genosha and resurrects everybody. <laughs> nice. Resurrect. It's all beautifully, like digitally painted. Um, Proud Star has to face his older zombie brother. Yeah. That that. I'm I gotta pick that one up yet yeah, because that's actually that's actually after X Men becomes X Men Legacy. Correct. Correct. So looking out, you have to look into that one. But like I said. You'll get to that after you get all the meat and potatoes, and then we can have some dessert and some side dishes. Yeah. Uh, while we're in Marvel, let's uh, man, Devil's Reign number six knocked my socks off. Yeah, no, it was really, uh, really good, man. Freaking, you know, a little bit of backstory. I believe issue five, Kingpin kills off Mike Murdoch, Daredevil's twin brother. Fake who twin, is or, or, fake twin brothers? Do to believe magic of some kind? Magic of some kind, yes. Yeah. But yeah, no, he's a uh, and Daredevil's pissed because he freaking, you know, whether he was his real fake brother or his fake fake brother, or still his brother brother. And he goes to confront Wilson Fisk. You know, he's he just can't do it anymore. You know, and then we see uh, Fisk and Typhoid Mary, you know, trying to head out, trying to leave town after all the damage they've caused. And they get stopped by Electra slash Lady Daredevil. And, you know, he's, you know, she's talking about how she's going to kill him for everything he's done. You know, trying to, you know, bring out her secrets and, you know, she's gonna let you know, he's gonna let Matt know about what the hand's really about and sending uh Craven the Hunter after her. And then, you know, Daredevil himself shows up. And, you know, he's like, you know, the only place you're going is into the ground at my hands. You had to ruin everything. Attacking my mind and my mem- my memories. I was yeah, happy. This- I was content. Yeah, and that's the whole thing is that, you know, Wilson, you know, the kingpin of crime, his whole, the whole thing about kingpin is he has to be in control. 
and Matt messed with his mind, whether intentionally or not intentionally, by, you know, having the Purple Man and the Purple Man, Purple Man's children, you know, put it out there that nobody knew who Daredevil was anymore. Right. And Kingpin just could not stand for somebody else messing with his head. Even if it's, you know, something to help them out. Even at the end of the day, if it really wasn't that important, he just could not have that. He has to have that control. You know, we go back and, you know, the the good guys are fighting, the bad guys are fighting the Thunderbolts, trying to get everything together. And there is one of the Purple Man's children that is trying to, that is still free, basically, and under the control of the Purple Man himself. You know, he ends up trying to, you know, take back control. And it comes down to Nick, or not Nick Cage, uh, just Cage, Luke Cage, helping this kid, giving this kid the extra ability he needs. You know, he's like, I can't do this by myself. And Cage is like, I don't, you don't have to. He gave him the pump. Yeah, he gave him the pump and freaking, he was able to stop the Purple Man breaking the mind control over all the rest of the heroes so all the other heroes were able to help you know and reunited him with uh the rest of you know his siblings basically i thought they were dead man i was i was for sure they were dead that was i'm so glad that they weren't yeah you know we see at the same time we see both uh electra and daredevil fighting fighting fisk you know, and Daredevil grabs his staff, which has the uh, the Purple Man diamond in it that is able that has the Purple Man's finger in it, so he can control other people. While he's got it, and Daredevil just shatters it across the head of Wilson Fisk. You know, and the last little page there is like, "We kill monsters, we slay Goliath." You know, and here he is about to kill Fisk for killing his brother. You know, Electra looks at him and he's like, she's like, you know, I won't stop you. You know, God knows I've killed men that have deserved it less. Now, this... But you, you, you're not an assassin. This was the redeeming quality of all the things that has been going on since Electra showed up was the guilt that she has been manipulating Matt since the beginning. Stealing those mm-hmm. millions of dollars. Uh, of everything she's done... She took over the mantle of Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen while he was in, in in the clink. But of all the things that she could have ever have done to really prove her love for him, to completely um, transcend the fact that she's still part of the hand and they still want him, she gave him the opportunity for a choice. She stopped him even though what he was about to do was something she wanted. She superseded all of that and stopped him and said, hey, let's let's just talk for a second. Like, let, like do what you gotta do, but like I won't stop you, but like let me give you my gift to you is a moment of clarity. Yeah. From Electra. <laughs> From Electra. Yeah, you know, he t- she she talks about how, you know, you decided to be a symbol and the people are watching, you know, what kind of symbol do you want to be? You know, do you want to be the guy that killed 
Fisk or do you want to be, you know, hope for this community? You know, and then he just like, he's, he's just like, oh God, you know, I killed, he killed him. And then she just picks him up and hugs him. And she's like, I know. I know. You know, and then it's, you know, we end up looking like Fisk is obviously done now. And Luke Cage is running unopposed. It looks like he's going to be the next mayor of New York. You know, and Fisk is arrested. And he's, you know, being detained and heading off to prison. And then the guys that are, you know, watching him, the guards, take off his helmet. And it's his son, Butch. Oh, dude, I, I'm, I had to put the book down for that. I had to put the yeah. I had to put the book down for just a second because of everything that Kingpin's been trying to do, that Wilson's trying to do, is trying to show his son that he's on the right path or please love me, like like really trying to be the estranged dad, do the right thing. And after the last altercation they had, when Butch was like, F you, um, get out of here, I'm the Kingpin. And then when he took that helmet off, man, I had to put the book down. Just... Yeah. Just had to step away from him because that was powerful. Yeah, and Butch ends up taking him to meet the Strowans, the most powerful, you know, family in all of New York, basically. And they tell him they want to make him the president. You know, if you're able to do, you'll still be listed. You'll you'll still be under our thumb, but you'll be the president of the United States. You know, what do you think of that, Wilson? And he shakes one of their hands and is like, you know, a fisk bows to no man, you know, and he takes one of the guns, from, you know, he hits one of the guards in the head and they shoot um, the sister, the Strowman sister, as he's got the the Strowman brother just on his knees with a handshake. And he's like, you know, you, I'll be under the thumb of no man. And that's what I'm going to teach my son. Oh. You know, you don't make a deal with the devil, you know, when you are the devil. And he destroys everybody in the room. You know, when, and then uh, he, you know when uh, Morales Jr. is dealing with uh, promoters? I thought about you in this. Um, Morales Jr. is... Dealing with promoters and hey pops, this is going on. I saw you in this. <laughs> I appreciate it, but I'm way too calm for that. <laughs> but yeah, no, he kills everybody and he looks at his son, he's like, You're not a you know, you may call yourself Butch Ferris, but you're a fisk. You know, and he's like, I wasn't there for you, but I can be here for you now. And he tells him, he's like, Tell everybody you killed me. Tell everybody you destroyed everybody here, you know, and you take the crown and you be the kingpin, you know, this is your inheritance, you know, make the most of it, basically. Yeah. You know, and Butch just kind of takes a second to let it all sink in. But funny enough, the first thing he thinks about is his friend, Matt Murdock, who his father killed. And he's just like, I should have listened to you. And then he just kind of drops down to, you know, drops down and starts crying. Mike. Yeah, you know, and the, you know, we go to a week later, and you know, Daredevil's on top of a roof, you know, as he should be, and but Electra's behind him. You know, and he's like, you know, Matt Murdock's dead. 
you know, the world, or Matt Murdock's dead, you know, the world, everyone thinks I'm gone. He's free. <laughs> yep, but he's young. And Daredevil's like, I'm ready to think bigger. You know, no more street fights, no more Fisk. You know, you wanted me to join you to start the fish to take down the hand. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm ready for it. You know, but I've got ideas beyond that. I've got ideas to save the world. And she's just like, finally, you know. And she's like, you know, the fist has ceremonies that we need to. And then he cuts her off talking about, I wouldn't have it any other way. Let's go save the world. And then we go to a boat, a tiny sailboat. And the kingpin and typhoid marriage jump on it. And they're just, you know, they're off to live basically that retired life. And Wilson's just like, you know, no matter what, I've, you know, I've got you, so I'm, I'm happy. And then she just looks at him. She's like, you're such a charmer. You know, where to, Captain? And then he looks at her, and he's like, the world's ours, Captain. Let's go find our happiness. I so at the end of the day, the Kingpin has freaking a happy ending. I was so stoked for this, man. Like, literally, like, you know I'm a heel guy. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, like, everything that Fist has ever done, and but everything we've seen him fight for for the past two years in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Like, like the last time anything happened with those jerks uh, that control the crime syndicate, like he just beat one of their, uh, you know, their their ne'er do wells to death in a bathroom, and his homie yeah. had to, his homie had to like, you know. Make Wesley had to cover it all up, make it happen, make it go away. But I really think Fist deserves it. I, I, I don't. The, the, the weird thing is, is that despite the fact that of all the evil he's done, using the Purple Man to control people to win the election, he really had New York's sense of safety at his heart, and he proved to his son who he was what his son should be, whether he's a crime boss or, or just a good man and just let them be, just let them go. Like he's done what he's needed to do. He proved himself what he needed to prove to you. It reminded me of, uh, the ending of the second, uh, Venom story where, uh, Spidey had to fake his death and, um, to satiate Venom that Parker is paid for, his crimes against humanity and Venom and Venom was and and um, Brock were content to live on that island before Carnage showed up. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we. I, I really hope we get a, like a, a solid ten years break from Kingpin. Like l- let him let him be okay. Like and and the fact that he's with someone, uh, despite the fact that you would think that she would have already been completely off her rocker. Just she, they're happy. Like they did what they had to do. They didn't do anything bad in New York. The only thing I I, I don't like is I hate those knockdown dragouts where like eighty good guys are fighting eighty bad guys in New York, and you don't know where to look. And Captain America is here for some reason, and they didn't expound into the Thunderbolts as much as I would want them to. The way they did in Dark Rain, but um, leave them be. Leave okay. them, leave them be. Just let them. Let me be content that Wilson Fisk is okay, because he's one of the biggest anti-heroes that you can imagine in the Marvel 
universe. And the the worst we got to imagine is the we had a, a moment of peace where Electra basically redeemed herself from everything she's ever done to Matt, leaving him the death, all of that things. Um, mm. it, it's uh, like Colin and I talk about it all the time when it's at uh, the end of a X-Men storyline and we get like two pages where the story's resolved and then we get to the next story and immediately things go wrong. But we've, yeah. got, we've got a couple solid pages here, much longer than most pages. But the the thing about Butch morning morning Mike, like, like man, Mike wasn't even a, a real person. <laughs> this, this was heavy, man. Like, like I, I had to step away from this book a couple times. Yeah. Well, see, I think we had totally different opinions on it because, like, it was a great story. Like, I don't see Kingpin as an anti-hero. I see King, Kingpin as a villain. Like, he straight up wanted... Like, his whole thing was he wanted control, and he wanted to cement his control. At the end of the day, that's all this was about. This was about that. It was about getting revenge on Daredevil for one-upping him. Right. And, like, Kingpin's kind of a rap bastard. He is a rap bastard. Like, he's a, he's a horrible person. He's a very selfish person. At the end of the day, all he was worried about was his happiness. See, I always saw you know, it as a division. Hmm. I always saw it as a division. There's the the kingpin that wants to control B Billy B B A, but then when he's with Typhoid Mary in conjunction with the way that Vincent D'Onofrio played him in the television series, mm-hmm. he just wants art and good dinners and to be left alone and to be you know, I I succeeded. Yeah. And to see him sail off, literally sail off into the sunset. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let him be happy. Just let it be. Well, that's the thing, though, is freaking, because we don't, we know Matt, we know Butch knows Mike's dead. Right. I don't know if we know that Mike knows his dad killed him. We just know that he knows that Mike's dead. That's a good point. So there's that, there's that interesting part, and we we don't we don't know what Butch is like really without Mike. Is he going to be off the handle? Is he going to be? Is he going to become basically, you know, a, a, a younger version of his father? Mike was his cornerstone. Is he going to go off the rails? We don't really know. Mike was his cornerstone. Mike is what kept him grounded. Yeah, yeah. We don't know per se if the Strowins are dead. No. You know, if the Strow if the Strowins are I I feel like the Strowins are dead because I don't feel like the Kingpin would leave any freaking any any loose freaking ends. But like we didn't actually see them die. So I don't really know. But like, you know, we don't like, there's that. There's the fact that freaking Daredevil does know killed his brother, quote unquote. You know, and if that's gonna matter, and we don't know, we we don't know if uh, Daredevil knows Kingpin's still alive. It doesn't seem like it. No, it doesn't. There are a lot of bookends here. You're right. Yeah. So how's how's he gonna see? You know, because Butch is going to rise in power, and Butch is going to become more accustomed to his role as Kingpin. Like, 
that's that in and of itself is inevitable. I feel like that is definitely inevitable. So how does how does Daredevil and Elektra respond to that? Now there's a new kingpin, and now it's the heir, basically the heir apparent to the throne. Well, I guess I just went the sappy route, man. Like I wanted to see Kingpin happy, and I wanted some sort of resolution. Um, I, I think we definitely got a resolution, but we definitely have a lot of stuff to look forward to as far as what the future holds for Daredevil. You know, we, we you know, we told we talked before about uh how Zadarsky is going to stay on the series. Right. And that in and of itself is something worth, you know, investing in. But we've got all these, you know, loose ends that haven't been picked up yet, plus the entire factor that Luke Cage is running unopposed as mayor now. Let alone and that added to the fact that Tony Stark is no longer running for mayor. Right. And how does Tony Tony how does Tony Stark feel about that? You know, that's definitely something worth looking into down the road. As far as like, you know, Luke's running on a post. What if Tony decides he wants to run against Luke? Because screw this guy, freaking it was my idea in the first place. Right. You know, how how is New York gonna ha- how is New York gonna handle having Two superheroes both running for mayor. Or if a third person, a third superhero, decides they want to throw their name in the hat. We still don't know what's going on with Foggy. Yeah. He's, he's, still, oh, oh. he's still in the hospital. Um, yeah. He's got yeah, there, just, work to do. Yeah. There's a million ways they could take this. And that's, you know, as usual, that's exciting. Because you don't know... You know, the best stories are the ones where you don't necessarily know what's going to happen next. Nope. And way to bring that home. Because I, I, I felt on... I gotta say, I was completely biased based on Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of the Kingpin in the television show. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When he's talking about him and his mom systematically disassembling his father... And throwing things off body parts in the bro- off of the Brooklyn Bridge, um, yeah. His appreciation for art, and um, then we got the problem with what was going on in Alicia, uh, Woman Without Fear. Um, what's going on with the hand? Um, yeah. I neglected to think about that as she's like, you know, it's over, my love, you know. But we still have the fact that we have a basically a old Rashal Ghoul um, controlling the hand that we've only been recently introduced to mm-hmm. that are trying to create the fist. Yeah, <laughs> and that that like of course they want Murdoch. I mean, like that like, we we've known that for decades, and and uh, on a lesser extent. Uh, even though it wasn't the best book, but like if you read Shadowland back in the day, um, when he, he when Murdoch was in control of the hand, and yeah. things didn't go right, it, it just it, none of it sat right. It was it was uh, trying to put a you know a, a square peg in a in a circle hole. It it just wasn't yeah. it just wasn't happening. I'm not saying that the story was bad; it was Bendis, but it was it was just um, there was something missing, and now. Uh, you know, it's over, my love. But now yeah, let's go. Let's go talk to this girl over here, slowly, and 
make something probably even worse. <laughs> like, yeah. like they, they might as well be in Madripoor. Yeah. And they might end up there, who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, like I said, between the fact that we've got so many loose ends just kind of hanging, and we've got freaking Zdarsky running the ship, dude, I, I'm down. I think yeah. this is going to be great. Sign us up. Sign us up. For- yeah. Front row seats, VIP. We'll, we've we've got the well, you will in a little bit because I keep losing this battery down six bucks. <laughs> um, it's true. Like I said, I'll have freaking I'll have the rest of the freaking the entirety of Dark Phoenix Saga in the span of a month and a half. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I ain't gonna spend a cent. I spend a cent. Hey, 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 hey. Let, let alone once freaking the next set of freaking uh. The next bet comes up next AEW pay per view. Oh. Bada bang! Oh, so far I am two. For, so far I am two and zero. Oh. Are we doing? Uh, what, are, are we doing the uh, blind bet for uh, SmackDown this week? We're doing next week. No, no, no! It's every. The blind bet is every big pay per view. Every one of the big four. No, I'm talking. No, I'm talking about EW. No, I'm not talking about EW. I'm talking about the, the blind bet for. Uh, like yeah, for Smack for like WWE. Yeah. yeah. All right, so we're doing it a quarter. Yeah, every every one of the big four. Shout right. out small. Work their right. way up. All right, let's do that because I'm confused about like apparently there's like Elias and Ezekiel. <laughs> yeah, apparently Eli- Ezekiel is Elias's little brother, from what I understand. Yeah. For those for those listening, the entirety the entire joke is that me and Joshua do not watch any WWE products. <laughs> And the the entire plan is based on the fact that we don't watch anything. The you know the day or two before the pay per view, we're going to blind guess who's going to win the pay per view matches, and basically and you know basically continue what we're doing with AEW. Only now we have no idea going in because we don't watch the shows. It happens. And hence the blind aspect of the and we're uh, the blind. The blind taste test, as it were, the blind, no, the blind guessing of the pay-per-view matches. So just something fun for us as NGs, in that way I can again dominate and again get more money to get more Dark Phoenix Saga, because I'm only four away. Correct. I will win one of these best one days. Statistically, I am going to... <laughs> Statistically, it should happen at some point. <laughs> Either that or my... my Ego will be my undoing, and I will bet stupidly, and freaking it will cost me in the long run. And then, and then Josh will Josh will somehow able to get every issue of Spawn he has been missing for months. <laughs> Reminds me of the Simpsons when uh, Cresty uh, his uh, his bookkeeper is like, "Let me get this straight. You took all the money you bet, all the money you got, franchising your name." And used it to bet against the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the generals yes. were due. <laughs> That's probably what will end up happening, but until then, my ego will run rampant and I will dominate. The thing though is is that here at Minefields, we parodies. We pair of bets. Now, I'm down $6 in the Abuelita Fund. <laughs> this is true. Abuelita de Minefield's Day comic book 
de, de libros de cómics. <laughs> oh, Abuelita would not be impressed. No, she wouldn't. No, not at all. Now, before we get on the morning potatoes, I want to go to only, uh, a quick little side dish here. Was that they restarted the Rocketeer. And IDW is handling this like a mofo, man. Like, it's like the beautiful variant covers. Uh, the interior art is amazing. It is thick. It took me about 30 minutes to read this book. Uh, and I'm not, like, just talking about reading, like, uh, how we speed read, like, an old Walking Dead issue or something like that. This was real meat and potatoes. We got Cliff Secord, who gets word on the street that there is, uh, uh, Nazi Nazis have infiltrated the United States in California and are training and he gets word that these guys are training and he shows up and uh, finds out there's actually Nazis there and they they shoot him up and uh, he barely makes it out there with the skin of his teeth goes to his girlfriend Betty who uh, of course the artists make her look like uh are you familiar with old like old school like pinup art? Mm-hmm. Like she's 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 Betty. Like like you know ah, Yeah. She's blonde, she's leggy. No, she's she's dark haired brunette. We're talking we're talking Betty. And um Oh Betty Page. Yes. Yes sir. And uh um, nice. she's like he's like, I'm done with it, babe. No more rocket jetpack. Well, I've heard that before. And uh, he goes and hangs out with PD in the uh, PV in the uh, in the hangar. He's like, well, "There's a big, you know, uh, cross continental championship coming up." Nope, nope. Promised her I wouldn't do it. And immediately he is uh, asked by some other multi-millionaire uh, inventor that has created this amazing plane. Uh, if you can fly this. Uh, please win because the trophy this is this is where it gets ridiculous the trophy that you will win for doing this from LA to New York to the UK to Paris is made of a very rare element that I need for my experiments And he's like, you don't say. You don't say. And he's like, no, nah, dog. My girl's like, not about that. And he's like, I think about it. And uh, it, it, it was just a great capsule encapsulation of what the Rocketeer is: fight Nazis, beating on Nazis. His babe is totally not okay with him being the renegade guy with a rocket strapped to his back. Um, Mm-hmm. His buddy is already invented. Like you didn't want me to do this this race, but when I got back from my last mission, you decided to install a two way radio in the helmet. Like if you didn't want me to do this, but the two way radio. I mean, like you and I might as well be doing minefields by walkie talkies. <laughs> and um, of course, of so course, the helmet has a new hat. Is what you're saying? The helmet has a new hat. <laughs> Sad face. Of course, his girl's like, wait, we're going to go to Paris? Like, yeah, sign me up. So his girlfriend blindly agrees to this. And, uh, of course, the race is going to be infiltrated by Nazis. And 
not the Nazis. It was a lot of fun, man. Like the one, like the one of the, actually the best part about it. I mean, the artwork is amazing. The story was nice and dense, but the 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 back end was annotated. The Dave Stevens, who created the Rocketeer, unfortunately he's passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oral history of the Rocketeer. Six solid pages of interviews with people that were there talking about how he came up with the idea. One of the original artists for San Diego Comic Con, doing the like doing the art for the lanyards and the the promotional shirts. How he created the Rocketeer, where he did it, um, who is the inspiration for PV. Um, just interviews, candid photos. I can't wait for more Rocketeer, man. Like, one of my favorite moments of my life was my mom was having a, uh, her, she used to have, like, a, um, was called, you ever seen that game called Pokino? It's kind of like, I guess. I've never heard of it. It's like, it's kind of like bingo and poker, but, like, she would have her chick friends over, and, uh, dad took Robin and I to, uh, Pizza Hut. And the, okay. the the promotion. I heard of yeah, it's a good place. You know, it's a little obscure, but you know, uh, but but this was '90s style, man. This was like uh, I've never seen a meme about it. Like you go to Pizza Hut, you get that red cup, the infinite refillable red cup. You're you're playing, yeah. you're playing Pac-Man uh, with a table that is made. Oh, the tabletop gaming! I remember that it was awesome. It was awesome. You, like, and they yeah. bring, and they bring you out your personal pan pizza on the on the uh, the wooden slab in the in the cast iron, and we were eating and dining like kings. <laughs> like, and, and, and I'm like, yeah, I can't argue with that. That was amazing. Well, we went to one of those. Robin and I are playing. Um, Pac-Man, Pac-Man, uh, Mrs. Pac-Man actually, and uh, they bring our, our personal paint pizzas. But the promotional thing was the Rocketeer. But uh, you you got like a, 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 a folding menu that was like all these puzzles and stuff. But you got the they they gave you the box, uh, the special Rocketeer box to take your pizza home in. But you you, yeah. got, you got the Rocketeer cup. But the 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 gimmick was the the. The top of the was the helmet. Nice. Okay. The top of the cup was the helmet, and then uh, mm-hmm. part of the fold-out stuff was you could make a rocketeer like a, a flying airplane. <laughs> nice. One of the best things ever. Man. <laughs> Eating like cakes. I'll ne- I'll never forget it. I mean, it, it was it was almost as good as the Back to the Future uh, uh, 2015 sunglasses or. Mm-hmm. But definitely not as good as the. Did you do you remember the land the land before time uh, hand puppets? I do. I had I had two of them. Yeah, those were gnarly. A little foot. I can't remember the other one. I think maybe uh, Spike. Spike. They they did they, yeah. they, they did Littlefoot, Petrie, Spike, and I. What was the name? I can't remember the name of the Triceratops. Uh, the the little girl Triceratops, but. Oh, she had a girl's name. I remember that much, but I can't remember what the name is. Yeah. Well, I'd ask my wife, but she hates freaking Land Before Time. Uh, man, she has all the reasons. Sarah, hate that maybe? Movie. I think Sarah. Sarah. I think it was Sarah. It was Sarah. It was Sarah. You were 100% correct. So, okay. reading in the Rocketeer today, Nazis killing Nazis, mad scientists, 
full-on 1930s betrayal and intrigue and it was it was just uh dude it was it was meat and potatoes it, it was uh it was it wasn't but, i believe the term we're looking for is gnarly it was absolutely gnarly <laughs> it was absolutely gnarly but yeah no i remember first i remember I, I to this day i haven't actually seen the movie and i need to but um i forget i remember being like in the early 90s at the PX on Fort Carson, walking by the freak the movie theater picture, the posters, and I remember the rock. I to this day I remember the Rocketeer poster, and it was I, I feel like it was right around the same time as Selena was coming out. So there was like there used to be like three or four movie posters out for whatever the movie theater was playing down the street. I think it was actually in the same parking lot, actually, if I remember correctly. It was really really close, but whatever movies were they were playing at the time right so they were they were probably replaying the rocketeer because the rocketeer came out in 1991 sleety didn't die until 1994 okay all right but but they they would have been replaying it but you're you're thinking about that iconic uh poster where it's all full on art deco with that beautiful font um mm-hmm. yeah um i got it pulled up right here uh, yeah that's it that's it yeah well, yeah, no, I guess it was two different times then. But, yeah, I remember the Selena poster, and I remember the Rocketeer poster, poster and freaking going to the going to the PX. I'm like, oh, I don't want to see that. And we never got around to it. Dude, one of the best lines of that movie when uh, the uh, Eddie finds out, the mobster, that uh, Neville Sinclair is a Nazi, and he's like, come on, Eddie, I pay you well. Who does it matter who you work for? And he's like, listen, I might not make an honest buck, but I'm a hundred percent American, and I don't work for no two bit Nazi. <laughs> and then, like, and then, like the the like all the, the stormtroopers come out of the the bushes, and like you know, they're about to kill Eddie, and then the FBI shows up, and it's a full on Tommy gun assault, and like the FBI guy is like just blasting away, and he looks up, and Eddie's like right next to him, blasting away too, and they look at each other and they smile. <laughs> they smile. Nice. Yeah, yeah, we're we're a hundred percent American. And then, like, the audacity that the Germans sent a full-on Zeppelin with swastikas all over this thing. <laughs> all over this thing. To pick up old Neville Sinclair. And uh, they got the, uh, the the guy that's, like, yelling at Neville Sinclair and the Zeppelin, like, in German. Like, where's the rocket? But he's, like, the, the Bush League version of the evil uh, Nazi guy from uh, Temple at Nut. Not Temple of Doom from Temple Raiders. of Doom. No, from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders from Raiders. He's she's basically the same guy, just not as evil looking. Same outfit, and uh, I, I, I was, I was happy as a pup to chow reading this this Rocketeer book, and like, <laughs> like it, it was everything I wanted. Just the the narrator will Cliff Sinclair. Just man, I want to make I want to make some money. I don't have a plane. I can't use a rocket. My girl's going to get mad at me. Yeah, sure, I'll work for you, industrial billionaire guy that needs some priceless ore. <laughs> I'm not going to question that. <laughs> yeah. Sure, surely you're not working for the Nazis or, or <laughs> any way, shape, or form. But like, we don't know. It was a lot of fun, man. But the uh, annotations in the back about Dave Stevens, the creation of the Rocketeer was just like priceless comic book lore. Well, that's what I got for that, man. Like, what do you want to do next? We got... You want to start in 89, or you want to start full-on dark? 
The only thing I got left is I am Batman. No, I'm not going to say that last. We got we got Batman '89. Let me grab that one real quick. I'll let you take the lead on that. I got to pull it out real quick. Now, Batman '89, and for you, my viewers are listening. This was where they picked up where they left off, where the Tim Burton series should have taken taken off. We are using a uh, actual costume for Robin that uh, Marlon Wayne should have been wearing as Robin. We've got uh, Harvey Dent portrayed by uh, the King of Colt Forty Forty Colt Forty Five, Mister. Billy D. Williams, completely torn. I, I, I mean, we've had really good two-faced stories that you and I can name off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but to see the confliction here in in his love for Babs, and putting a couple of bullets in Gordon. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he he betrayed the coin. I've never seen, I've never seen Two Face betray the coin. Yeah, no, he never, he never has. So he's going by, you know, by what the coin says, whether you know, with what he personally wanted or not. Yeah, that was the whole. That's the whole point of the character is freaking. It's all, it's all up to chance. You know, flip of the coin. You know, like we, um, I've, I've said it time and time again. One bad day. One bad day. You know, one bad day could make you a villain. But that you know. was that was Harvey that put bullets in the in the Gordon, knowing full yeah. well. And and the the last laugh was Gordon. Like you know, she she loves you. She'll forgive you for anything. I didn't want. I I do not want you to be with her. And now I have yeah. the last laugh. She'll never forgive you for this. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's just a thing, man. Freaking. You can't just go shooting your girl's dad. <laughs> no, I mean like, for some reason that's frowned upon. <laughs> completely frowned upon. I mean, like we got a bank heist here. Like uh, we've got Robin driving the Batmobile and the Bat Cycle, which was beautiful, by the way. I, I love the 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 Art Deco uh, quality of it. Um, and mm-hmm. for you minefielders, look up what Art Deco is uh, when we mention it, talking about the cover of the Rocketeer. Um, it's it's something to be uh, acknowledged and understood that that uh, frame of mind and uh, form of artwork, um, the way the way they they stylize everything and they they on a on a different tangent here. Uh, one of my favorite things about watching Batman the animated series is I don't know if it's nineteen thirty or if it's two thousand thirty. Yeah, the way they portray it, you know, it seems like. It- the cars and whatnot, everything, you know, the style of dress, you know, everything kind of reeks 1950s, you know, 1930s, 1950s. Yeah, yeah. And freaky, but, you know, then you get these big old gothic buildings, though, and it's just like, oh, this has got to be modern day. Yeah. You know, this the, the way they fused the modern with the past really just kind of led to the legacy of that, you know, of, of the Batman the Animated Series, you know, everything... You know they made it work. They they flowed together perfectly, and freaking, we benefited from it. We really have in this book. I gotta say this book was a tweener book because I really want to get to to I am Batman, but this was a good tweener book. 
building the the storyline, developing the characters. Yeah. And we waited months for it. You know, it's a, that was the thing. We talked, I think, just last week or the week beforehand about, you know, when's Batman 89 going to finish up? Yeah. You know, that's been kind of the the thing with a lot of books. You know, Swamp Thing, a um, couple of issues of the uh, in Black Label have been taking substantially longer than we thought they would. Uh, you know, yeah, um, la- final issue of last uh, Ronin. Yes. But waiting on that. Hey, um, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. But this this book was worth the wait to build the the love that he still has for Babs. Um, you know the note hidden. She she yeah. We got Batman and Robin growing together. Yeah. You know, learning to work together. We got you know. I I love the fact that like when Two Face. You know, sets off the bat signal himself. He's got the mask covering the scarred part of his face like a phantom of the opera yes sir you know that's you know that's something again we've never really seen but it's a nice little nod to the fact that this isn't you know i would love to have seen that in the third movie really kind of you know add that little extra gravitas to freaking how he handles things the way what is he what does he call Robin his intern? <laughs> Something along those lines, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing with Robin being so new, nobody really knows, you know, what he represents. You know, other than the fact that he's got this shiny costume, whereas Batman's got this dark costume, you know, trying to make himself a target, quote unquote. But he's, you know. How did you feel about? Harvey playing uh, Robin Hood. The way they built this character, I could totally see it. You know, he comes from, you know, he came from nothing to become the district, you know, district attorney. You know, and why wouldn't a guy that's done that, let alone a guy that was previously called out for it, still want to, you know, either want to do good or want to come off like he's doing good. Right. You know, whether whether he really believes in what he's doing or whether he just wants to shut people up. There's a, there's a lot of interest that he's going on here, especially, like, before we get to the Batcave, uh, Harvey is flipping the coin. He's already flipped it twice. He wanted mm-hmm. to kill Gordon. He flipped it yeah. twice. I've never seen Two-Face flip anything twice. But at the same time, Gordon's chained up, eating some brie and some fine, uh, fine, uh, rare, old age wine. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and we, we've we've got something going here, man. Like uh, the the diversity of what one man's mind that can't make up his mind, especially the way they built it up that he is he came from nothing and now he's a sellout. I'm not saying he's a sellout, but it's a lot of people in this community definitely feel that way. Yeah. That's the thing, you know, Two-Face, you know, Harvey Dent, you know, in this story with a man living in two worlds. You know, now that he's, you know, he's Two-Face, you know, he's, you know, he's still, part of him still Harvey, but part of him just doesn't care. You know, part of him is like, you know, the flip of a coin, it's all that matters. 
you know, he's got that, you know, he, he's a man living in just multiple worlds, you know, he came from this small, this, you know, from nothing, you know, he's got, you know, his relationship with Barbara to worry about. And as, and, you know, a part of that is a relationship with Jim Gordon, you know, his relationship with the DA, his relationship with the, with the police, Correct. you know, these are all multiple stories. And you have this one character literally trying to balance this all while at the same time this horrible accident happens to him and he doesn't know what to do, you know? Because at the end of the day, you know, Two-Face in and of himself is a victim of what of circumstance. And this is how he, you know, how he deals with it, whether it's of his own choice or whether it's post-psychotic break. A lot of things going on. I don't feel that the good people of the um, small, what would you call it, suburb, like, you know, the subdivision, the, the way we would consider uh, Bloodhaven to Gotham, that yeah. these good people are getting hundreds of thousand dollars in the mail here, and I don't think these people want this money. Um, n- none of these people are, are excited about it. Like, it, it's definitely a hoot, but then we get to the duality with with Harvey. Like, mm-hmm. it, it he wants to see Babs and he risks it all, but it's kind of like one of those things where you hear about someone that commits a crime and when they get caught and they, they say something like, what took you so long? Or, I wanted to get caught. Yeah. Like, how, how did he not know that she was not going to try to bring him in? Yeah. You know, I'm sure part of him did. You know, part of him assumed it was going to happen. You know, but the other half, you know, it's just like, you know, maybe, you know, he was like, oh, you know, she still loves me, so it's not going to, you know, she won't do it. You know, it just didn't work out that way. And then we got wild card of Selena Kyle here, who is midway transitioning from Batman Returns costume to... uh the uh, if you flip to the page where she's she bursts through the glass and uh, jumps on Babs, uh, or it looks like no, she just jumps out of nowhere through the glass. Um, midway, if you notice her from the waist down, she is Catwoman during Nightfall. Yeah. Now she's definitely changed the uh, the outfit a little bit. Banner, she jumps on Babs. She's, you know, which of course freaks out Harvey for obvious reasons. The police show up, you know, and he, I mean, he's just like, oh, she, but you know, she, Harvey talking to Two Face, you know, Two Face talking to Harvey, talking about how she betrayed us, and he's, and Harvey's just panicking, talking about survive, fool, survive. It's all we get to do, right? You know, he's about to. You know, kill James Gordon, kill good old Jimmy. You know, and he's just like, you know, she loves you. She'd forgive anything except for this. You know, and Harvey, you know, Harvey freaks out. You know, the fool, the coin, the coin said to let him live, and then Two Face is like, shut up. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. And we just see Dent. You know, Batman in the background saying, Dent, it matters to me. 100%. You know, and now we're leading into the final chapter, you know, the battle for Gotham. Now, before you turn the page, I got a kick out of this, where it says Shadows, mm-hmm. Chapter 5. 
and we see Batman. Harshest criticism when it comes to photography is matching the lighting. Or, or uh, mm-hmm. if you are building a wrestling flyer and you've got to add a bunch of uh, folk to the flyer, you got to make sure the lighting looks right. He is in a mm-hmm. brightly illuminated room. <laughs> and he is almost all shadow. He's not even casting yeah. shadow. And it's his shadows. And, like, you, you can't even see his face. And, like, like he... N- none of this... Color-wise, this composition didn't make any sense. It, it cracked me up. It doesn't Sorry. make any sense, yeah. <laughs> it, it cracked me up. Um, that's that's funny. A, I didn't even think about that, but you're not wrong. <laughs> just uh, just one of those uh, art nerd things. Like, like, dude, like, there's all the lights are on in the room, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, it's all... So reason for you to be that dark. Correct. Let's uh, let's do some Batman. I am Batman man because I gotta say this is probably my favorite book of the of the week. Yeah, no, it's, it's been solid, man. The move to New York has been uh, real interesting for Jason and his family. You know, we start out with uh, Batman battling this mysterious man who is, you know, we find out is a fan of Batman. You know, he wants to team up. You know, he wholeheartedly admits to killing Devil and Rubel and basically making him art for people to see out of his, you know, dead body. You know, Batman says he eviscerated him, and he's like, yeah, but he was beautiful. He's like, Batman's like, you need help. He's like, yeah, I need help. You know, let's find the hot list and go to work. And Batman's just like, hot list? You know, you've got problems. I don't want to mess with you. And this guy's just like, you know, we're in this together, man, you know. And Batman, you know, and the whole thing is that he's just a fan of Batman's work. Which, you know, begs, again, the age-old question of does Batman, you know, does, is Bat, does Batman, you know, is he, does he here to fight the bad guys or does he create the bad guys he fights? Correct. That's you know, that this, this gentleman that. doesn't face that question. Like, the, the, you know, the intricity is this guy. He's got, like, uh, I want to say, like, Mexican style, like, Mayan type mask, but he's flinging mm-hmm. a, a hot iron. Oh, I don't know if it's hot or not, with spikes at the end, literally, like, a hand iron um, that you would put in the, in the, in the fire. Like, you ever seen an old school iron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, meant to be put in the fire, but it's got spice at the end. And, uh, you know, Jace gives him the old one, two, three, and he gets the head into the, into the wall, and then before he can even think about it, he's already behind him. He's like, wow, yeah. I mean, that was rude. Like, I'm trying, I'm out here trying to do for you, and you going ugly for real, so... Beep. And like there's the speed of this guy. Yeah, and he ends up, you know, taking the iron to Batman's face, you know. You know, and he beats him so badly that Batman actually runs. Retreats full full freaking white flag, like Guntling right out, get me out of here. Right on his motorcycle, yeah. we're out of here. 
Yeah, and all the all the guy all the villain can say is that's a pretty sucky Batman. Yeah, he's not wrong. <laughs> you know, and this is this is you know, we've never seen Bruce Wayne, you know, run scared, and that's like the the differences between you know Jace as Batman and you know Jace Fox and Bruce Wayne as Batman, you know are you know multiple but this is this is a super interesting one because we see a batman you know this isn't a batman that strategically retreated to come back stronger later this is a batman that was scared desperate because this guy this guy freaking he gave him his best shot and batman and he couldn't hang you know that you know if somebody takes your best shot you know it did did freaking stands there you know, what are you going to do? You know, and, you know, we see the, uh, we go back to the police station where the Batman strike force is kind of, you know, they're talking over how all the hundreds of black market guns were taken off the streets. You know, you know, all these guys were able to get that done, you know, between the mayor or between the, uh, the Batman strike force and Batman himself. And Officer Chubbs, who's in charge of the force, has to excuse herself because Batman, you know, called her. You know, and he's like, yeah, it's me, you know, I found you. And she's like, you find the suspect who killed Ruble? And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm sending you the location. You need to get a tactical unit out there. And, you know, you, she's just like, you have the suspect? And you, he's just like, you know, he got away. And you you can see the fear in Batman's eyes, which is something you know very rarely have you ever seen from Bruce Wayne. You know, and you know we got top, you know Jace here, and for the first time that you know as long as we've known him as Batman, does he does he doubt himself? That was one of the most integral parts of the story that I think really people need to come away with. Is the doubt, the questioning, the fact that he's not in Gotham, he's in New York. I mean, like, we don't get New York stores in D.C. We get Metropolis, we get Metropolis, which is basically Manhattan, and then we get Gotham, which is basically Jersey. (laughs) Like, Jersey. We got that, we've got the Mascara, we've got Atlantis. You know, we very rarely do we ever have you know, real life cities in in DC. You know, we got Central City. You know, we don't have we don't have New York. We don't have, you know, Manhattan. We don't have Denver. We don't have, you know, San San Antonio. You know, they've always got these other cities. So it's that's another stark contrast between Bruce Wayne Batman and Jace Fox Batman. Dude, I dig it, man. There, no, there's yeah. one, there's one thing that I just noticed is that the are you are you familiar with the concept of the third eye? Vaguely, mostly from Matt Seidel promos. Yeah, it's all it's you know if if you're in a tool you you get it. it it's the uh, the third eye is basically the eye that allows you to see things that your normal mind that is the other two eyes are and senses are 
slowing the vibrations down for you to enjoy the world as a ride, and I'm quoting Bill Hicks here, mm -hmm. uh, we were all experiencing life subjectively, It's, but at the same time, it's the same dream. Now, if you look at this guy's mask, he's got a third eye that's been blown out and bleeding. Yeah. It's now, no, I, I see it. Now, the removal of the third eye is... That, that sort of symbolism tells me that this guy wants nothing to do with any of the transcendental qualities of what you and I and the rest of the uh, human race enjoys as art or mathematics. He has, he has literally blown out his imagination. The destruction of the third eye would be, like, the most base level would be removing your imagination. Uh, which is funny to me, the fact that he is trying to consider what fine art is, but there's a, we cannot, the, it, it's the, uh, the Egyptians had it as the eye of raw. Um, okay. the, they, they can say it's the spirit molecule. The, the most powerful psychedelic drug on the planet is DMT. DMT is actually, uh, um, a, a, a chemical that our brain actually does manifest. So when you're you're tripping bees and um, you're communicating with the dead and or having a near death experience, your your mind releases these these uh, these chemicals. It's it's the imagination. He's killing it. Like um, I, I can't believe I didn't notice beforehand. Man. Like that that's that is a big big deal. That's that's not an accident. Like. Uh, remember when I was telling you about hanging out with age and how we wanted to, uh, I wanted to incorporate like, uh, symbolism. We can't just use, I told them we can't use pentagrams. Like pentagrams, everyone used pentagrams. Yeah. But if I saw a, a sigil or a Nordic sigil or a, something that references, uh, the, the tree of your drizzle or some sort of Nordic, uh, iconography runes, whatever you want to call it. But, mm -hmm. but that third eye, and, and we've got Jace going as someone that has no sense of, um, what do you call it, uh, self-preservation, because he doesn't need it. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't mean to go that far on a tangent, but it really needed to be addressed. Gotcha. And uh, we go back to Chase's at his condo, or his family's condo, and he's talking to his dad on the on the TV. And you know, he's telling his dad that he's telling his dad he ran from him. And then you know, you see everybody make you know his dad's making excuses for him. You know, you made a strategic retreat so you could reassess your strategy. The real Batman's done it a million times. And he's like, no, I didn't retreat. I was scared. Like, this guy was so fast, so hit me so hard. You know, all my training in life, you know, it didn't matter. And that's that's the fun part about it is we're seeing a Batman who's growing. A Batman who's freaking, you know, didn't travel the world training. You know, he's, he's trained in the military and whatnot. But, like, this is a Batman that knows, you know, isn't you know, isn't you know without fear he's scared because you know all everything he does know did not work on this guy 
You know, and yet alone we've got this, you know, one other thing that differs between Bruce Wayne and Jace is the fact that Jace can come to his father for guidance. And, you know, Bruce obviously cannot. How did you feel about him and uh, Lucius talking about what fear is and what self-preservation is? Because in, in, in regards to what you're saying right now, I mean, like, that's... Like, that's a great observation that, like, yeah, Bruce doesn't have that. But at the same time, they're, they're having a conversation where he's like, well, Batman never would have run. And, well, Batman knows more than you do. <laughs> um, yeah. Batman has been doing this for X amount of years longer than you. You know, and it's it's interesting because it's, it's, a, it's a duality on the side of Lucius. Because not only is Lucius Jace's father... But he's also the guy that makes Batman's weapons. And then one of the first things he says is, I'll get you better tech. And Jace is like, no, I don't, I'm not this Batman. You know, that's, you know, that's, you know, I've seen what the escalation of him adding better toys has done to Gotham. He's like, I got to face this guy and I got to face him head on. You know, and then he's dealing, but at the same time, he's dealing with the entire thought process that, he inspired this guy to do what he does. Which very you know, he's killing because of me. Yeah. You know, you know, every now and again it gets brought up, but it's it's a legit discussion. You know, does Batman is Batman designed to fight the super criminals or the super criminals come to fight Batman? You know, that's one of the biggest thing with the Jokers. You know, it's a little bit of both. You know, the Riddler from what I understand, originally came to Gotham to challenge the Batman. Bane, the whole reason he came to Gotham was to challenge Batman. He had to defeat the Bat to become, to, you know, to stop his own fear. So it's a valid question. You know, his dad, you know, his dad talks about how, you know, you were trained to fight badness. You know, what you're telling me about this guy is evil. You know, you weren't trained to fight. You're not ready to fight evil you're yet. You're not ready to fight evil. That really You know, and then we see... Yeah. And then we see the, the commissioner, who's very anti-Batman. You know, he doesn't want Batman in the city. And then this guy comes up behind him and, you know, kidnaps him. And he just tells him, you know, are you ready to, or he asks him, are you ready to become beautiful? Oof, that's like Mr. Professor Pig shit stuff, man. Yeah, it's totally Professor Pig shit. And it's a dollar uh, for both of us. No, I, I got so one, No, no, I didn't say You said it thing. first. No, I did not say the whole thing. No, it totally counts. I said it after you said it. Alright, fine. I'm at seven, you're at one. No, there's no cancel. Uh, there's no canceling out. That means that's that's. Uh, I'm at seven, so we've got eight bucks to the. Uh... Well, yeah. So we see Jace trying to, you know, trying to get some aggression out, training a little bit, and his sister walks up, you know, like she and she wants to, you know, she wants to go around with her big brother. You know, she's talking about you know. And she's like, you know, I, I'm the one who's going to, you know, I'm not the one who's going to get hurt. And he's just like, you know, don't you have literally anything else you could be doing right now? <laughs> get off my case, man. But, like, he, yeah. he needs her. 
<laughs> yeah, and she, you know, she's like, I'm not doing nothing, and she's like, go hang out with mom. You know, she's got something you could be doing, like a charity gala or something. And then she tells them about how her mom's opening a uh, a transition center for formerly incarcerated women to get them job training. Ooh, I wonder who's going to end up in that place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's just like, you know, she's doing what? Like, she, he's so used to it. Like, he just doesn't, he doesn't see the good that his family's trying to do. Like, he doesn't realize that they're trying to help. He's got so many anchors. He's got his sister. He's got his dad. He's got his mom. He's got his homeboy. Uh, and on a lesser extent, uh, maybe the Bat family if he gets in trouble. But we haven't got to that point yet. Yeah. But yeah, they're talking about it, and he's just like, you know, she, his little sister's telling about how mom's trying to use the family's dirty money they got from the Waynes for good, you know, and put them to work. And he's, just, you know, he's trying, to, you know, she's just like, our, you know, he's like, our money's not dirty, and she's like, our money isn't, but you know, this is Bruce Wayne's money. It's Bruce Wayne's, money. you know, and she's like, you used to have a problem with that, you know, maybe you don't anymore because you know you and dad are in a better place right now. You know, he's just like, no, it's a, the, the money's a means to an end. And she's like, what's the end? And he's like, I don't know. You know, I thought I found purpose. Now I'm starting to think I'm wrong. So, you know, not only is he, you know, doubting his own mind about being Batman, he's literally doubting everything he's doing right now. Including you know, every aspect of his life he's not sure about anymore. Not one bit. Yeah, and she's just like, you know, we're all looking for purpose, you know, all of us. And she just kind of holds his hand. And then we see Val, you know, talking to Hadea, who either is a former, they all work together, but apparently Chase has some deep, deep feelings for, you know, she's, you know, and, you know, she, he, she's talking about how, you know, you told me he was feeling better, that he worked things out with his dad and balls like he did. But, you know, with Jace, better's relative, you know, he's tra- he's still trying to make up for the past where he ran that guy over. And that's, you know, what his whole life's about. And Hadea is just like, you know, I'm worried about both of you guys, you know. He could get himself killed and so could you. You know, and I'm kind of tired of neither one of you guys being straight with me. I can't help you if you don't let me know what's going on. And he's like, you know, you can help by talking to Jace. You know how he feels about you. And she's just like, no, don't, don't use that. Don't, you know, don't use the L word. You know, if he'd open up to me, maybe we could talk, but he's got to, you know, do his part. And he's got to, he's going to take that step too. I like, yeah. I like how you specified this, bless you. Uh, I like how specified this scene is here, especially in their garb. Like, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's wearing hijab. He's, like, basically uh, Johnny from Cobra Kai, wearing the, the headband, leather jacket, or uh, maybe just a button-up. But even then, it, it's still just interesting to me, especially in a couple of pages here, after what we were just talking about at Batman 89, where we see Robin, like, if you uh, can remember, the uh, they're working on the, the Batmobile. They've got the full jet turbine pulled out in the front, and Robin is working, mm-hmm. working on that. And we got Jace working on this, and, like, is this the best place we can do this? Um, but we've got the foreshadowing about what's going to happen to this this poor, poor man. 
Like, I, oh I, yeah, I really think that the writers here were big fans of Andrew Kevin Walker writing because this is straight up seven and misery all at once. Yeah, no, we wake. You know, the commissioner wakes up and he's missing his foot. He's missing several fingers. You know, and all he's you know, and all he can say to you know the guy tearing him apart is like, "I was wrong about Batman." You know, he's going to come and save me. And, you know, he's just like, the guy in charge is like, you know, I see, said the blind man. You know. And then we go back to Jason Vall. And they bring, he brings up the fact that he talked to her. And, you know, he's like, are you even listening to me? And he's like, not really. You know, I ran away before. I can't, I can't, I got to do the right thing. He didn't give a damn about what this guy was telling him until he brought up the girl. Wait, you talked mm-hmm. to her? You saw Hadaya? <laughs> that's yeah. when, that's when the, like, yeah, that, that just shows more maturity here. Yeah, everything, you know, as soon as he mentions the guy, you know, we, you know, Jace is a, I think that's the thing about it, is Jace is a guy who is trying to be, he's trying to grow up, he's trying to make amends, but he's just not, he's not there yet, he's not mature enough to truly fix his situations. Make the hard decisions. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, you know, you saw her? Yeah. You know, and what did she say? And, she, you know, he's like, I was crazy that I'm crazy to hang out with you. And he's just like, I don't think she'd casually use the word crazy. Like, like once Hadea is mentioned, all he does is fixate on her. Right. And she, and he's just, you know, Paul's just like, you know, she said, I needed to think about what you and I were doing. And he's just like, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're done, you're done, dude. Cool. Walk away. Changes nothing between us. We're still be friends. You know, and then he's like, well, if I walk, why? Why would I walk? So I feel even more guilty when something happens to you. Like, Vol is just here to, to make sure his friend doesn't die. Correct. Like, I don't even know if he necessarily agrees with the mission so much that he just doesn't want to freaking turn on the news one day and see his buddy gunned down in a freaking alleyway somewhere. Right. You know, and then uh, then detective call the detective calls Chubb calls, and freaking they go to where the latest victim is, the commissioner. And it, you know, it, you know, we find out the victim was assaulted, kidnapped, dismembered, disemboweled, and it's it's even worse than what happened to Devlin Ruble. And all Batman can say is God. And the worst part is, you know, that it's Commissioner Beckett. And we just see him just hanging there with rods through his body and his appendages on the ends of these rods. I'm going to use a final Mm -hmm. word here. The correct way to say it is that the artist in question has festooned the environment with the entrails of his victim. I mean, like, we, 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 like, this goes back to what we talk about Hitchcock all the time. Like, I I was Mm -hmm. very much appreciative of the silhouette because it's, it's not redacted. It's, I don't feel like the, uh, image was erased because someone in DCR up said, oh, people don't want to see this. But that is definitely a foot. (laughs) That is, that is definitely a foot. It's an arrangement the way, um, House of a Thousand Corpses, Otis making art out of dead bodies. Um, mm-hmm. and, but then we get to the next scene here, and we see he is missing, you know, from 
belly button down. Entrails everywhere. Yeah. I, I was not okay with the fact that they showed it. Yeah, it's uh, it's intense, man. You know, and then we, you know, we kind of find out a little bit more that you know apparently Beckett was a racist, a misogynist. He was homophobic. Yeah, they exposed all yeah, the. Yeah, we're and, yeah. They canceled yeah. them. Yeah, in the worst possible way, you know, and the, the whole thing ends up being that this this guy is you know going after these horrible people, but is ending them, murdering them in the most horrific way possible and on top of that is putting all their business out there for everyone to see you know this is why i'm doing it so we're bringing in the political climate here and we we see the mom you know physical therapy sister i mean like there's a, this is a huge mess. I mean, this isn't just yeah, this is affecting this is affecting everybody in New York at least, if not more. You know, we see the mayor's office where the mayor's talking about how he was my police commissioner, and but he's supposed to represent all of New York. And you know, his who I assume was his advisor is like, you know, you knew he was old school when you hired him, and the mayor's just like old school. This guy was right out of the 1860s, and he just screwed us. He just screwed us. You know, and then we go to people, we go to people getting interviewed on the street. Some agree with him, some are disgusted by what he does, yeah, or what he said. The skinhead guy was like, to be honest, I agree with what he said, like, wow. All right. Yeah. This is what we're rolling with. And then we see, yeah, and then we see people, the, the police squad being like, you know, did he get what he deserved? No. Screw that. You know, he was our commissioner, and we're going to do what the mayor and this piece of crap Batman are too scared to do. We're going to go find who murdered Beckett, and we're going to kill him ourselves. So the, you know, the, the police have gotten a group of people together of their own to take out the guy that took out one of their own. You know, I after reading this, we're talking about it. I, I think there's more layers that have not been peeled yet. I do not believe that this guy gives a damn about his butchered, his butchered commissioner. I think there's more more stuff to hide that he's more concerned about coming out, and it would confuse. Oh, it could totally be. What confuses me? Because that's a, that's the thing with that's the thing with characters like this, like the bad guy in question. Is it? It all depends on the landing. Like when push comes to shove, we does this guy believe what he says? Does he believe in putting? Like, why is he doing what he's doing other than? I'm a big fan of Batman. Correct. You know, he has, uh, he's, he's got to be based on more than that. Like, there's got to be more. If anybody needs more layers, it's the bat. You know, it's, it's the guy, the bad guy in question. Like, I agree with you because I could totally see where, you know, this guy was. The, 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 the cops in question that are going to hunt this guy down are going to have far more skeletons in their closets. I mean, it's Gotham. That's Gotham. No, this this isn't Gotham. This is New York City. Oh, you're you're you're, you're right, right. I'm just talking about but just in general. So far, so far, New York City seems way worse than Gotham. Like this one villain is over here, legitimately eviscerating these bad. You know, we don't see you know Killer Croc will eat a guy, but at least he'll eat him. 
Yeah. You know, Bane will, Bane will break a guy's back, no problem. This guy's carving up people, and then on top of that, putting all their information out there for the world to see every bad thing they've ever done. Don't forget making art projects out of their corpses. Yeah, and making them into art. You know, this is this is disturbing. Like it's and this is this is this is bad guys brought to an entirely different level. Like this is a guy that at the end of the day enjoys what he's doing. Oh, and he takes a lot of pride in it too. Yeah. And like, you know, we don't see a lot of you know, like the Joker likes what he does. But we don't see like penguin is penguin it's all business. You know, poison ivy, it's all about, you know, being an eco terrorist and saving the world from humans. Catwoman steals because she needs money. There you know, two faces two faces broken psychologically. This guy is freaking he's he's a guy that believes he's right. I wanna And he's gonna show everybody. And I agree. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, what's sticking out in my head is there was a... I bring up 8 Millimeter all the time, uh, especially when we're talking about things this dark, but I really believe this guy's a student of Andrew Kevin Walker. Uh, there was a mm-hmm. there was a scene in 8mm um, when he finds out mm-hmm. the, the, the movie's real. Uh, he finds the director, the, like, they kill the director, uh, he narrowly escapes his life, but the guy that actually killed the little girl in the video, with the S&M, uh, mask on, with the zipper mouth, he hunts him down, and one of the most high-tension scenes I've ever seen in a movie, they, they, they've got, they, they go toe-to-toe, and he's... Machine is wearing, that's the name of the guy, uh, Machine. He's wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. And they're... It was Brian Cage the whole time. <laughs> Brian Cage. Well, I mean, at least the guy's name is Thomas. So he's got his, uh, Nick Cage Thomas, he's got a gun to this guy's head and he's taking off the mask. He's like, no. And he take off the, the freaking mask and he takes it off and he's like, I know what you're thinking. Um, in regards, like, the guy lives with his mom, takes her, he's like, uh... I don't do the things I do because daddy touched me. I don't do the things I do because this happened to me. I do them because I like it. I do it because it makes me feel good. And, I mean, like, just chills. I mean, I was was like, I want to say I was like 16 watching this. I had no exposure or anything like this in my life. And, And this is what this guy is. It makes me feel good to to create what he calls art using dead bodies. Mm-hmm. This is frankly, Jace is completely over his damn head. Yeah. No, oh, definitely. I mean, this is something like you said. Like it said in the book itself, you know, you're you're trained to fight bad guys. This is evil. Like it is. It's a different thing. It's a different thought process. You know. I say that like I could possibly relate to this, you know, but like, it's just, a, it's a different level. Like, the, you know, you, like you said, you, the, the closest thing Batman has to this is Professor Pig. Yeah. And he's just trying to make, he's trying to make, in his mind, he's trying to make people perfect. Wow. You know, and that's what he sees as perfect. And 
he has no regard for authority. And for some reason, Batman had his head into a wall with one of his sticks. And the guy's head hadn't even done bouncing off the wall before he was already behind him. Yeah. Are, are you thinking there's like two or three of them? Or do you, do you no, feel, I get that. Do you feel a I could definitely see it for a thing where he just doesn't. No, I, I think the best thing you could do with it is make him human. Like maybe maybe something more like his nerves are deadened, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I I I think the best thing you could do is keep him as human to keep this guy as human as possible. No superpowers, no no teleportation, no magic. You what, know, just what, all mind games. What disjointed me was that he was behind him too fast. So in now that we're talking about it. Jace was just slow, so slowed down, so over his head. Drowning, yeah. quicksand. That this guy was already behind. Yeah, and that that might be it. That might have been it too. Was freaking he? He freaked out when he didn't, when his best shot didn't land. Right. You know, he or he landed it, but it didn't. It didn't take him down. No. Like, what do you do when you punch a guy in the face in a fight and he just kind of turns around and he laughs at you? Hmm. You know, terror, terror is the first thing that's going to come. You had a problem. Yeah. You know, but yeah, this is definitely, I'd say, book of the week by far. Just freaking... I absolutely... Cause it's, it's, another, it's, another, it's another very intriguing book. It's a very, you know, what's going to happen, how they, you know, you've got... Batman chasing this guy. You've got Chubbs and her unit chasing this guy. And then you've got the other unit chasing him. And who's going to get to him first? And who's he going who's he to get to next? And don't forget the fact that who's really going to break Batman himself? Uh, yeah. And we've got a, you know, he, you know, Jace right now, he's got his family. He's got, at least part of his family has his back, but you know, not everybody has his back. You know, we've always got that whole thing as far as him and his brother. You know, whether, you know, when they get, if they can get along, we can get, you know, this version of Batman and Batwing working together at some point, possibly. Please. You know? Absolutely. And, and that you know, hopefully, you know, but that's the thing, too, is they're going to they're gonna savor that. If they're going to do it, they're going to save it for what is right. Yeah, and freaking, right. it's gonna, he's going to have to get through. He's going to have to get through this on his own at the end of the day. Book of the week. So it's going to be how, how? How does he freaking? You know, how does he do it? How does he find him? You know, who's he going to capture next? Is he going you know, to go after Chubbs? And the thing about it is, is freaking. Apparently, you know, this guy is targeting people that are bad. You know. But uh, at the other, you know, the other end of it, you know, yeah, these people probably need to be punished. But is disembowelment the way to go to properly punish them? Especially in the way they're portraying New York as a feral city. Yeah. Why not? So I mean, it's, it's it raises as many questions as it does answers. And that's, you know, that's another reason why it's an awesome freaking read. You know, we've got to, this is, this is Batman, but it's 
complete. It's it's this. It's everything opposite of Bruce Wayne Batman. Yeah, the the cops are okay with working with him. Like like they like hey, calm down. Like it's him. Like we're working with him as opposed to it's just Gordon being like clear the building. No one goes in for three minutes because you know he tells Bruce you know you got three minutes. This is this is. Uh, you know, there's that. There's the lack of tech. There's freaking. It's a. It's not Gotham. There's no. There's no bad family to have his back. No, he's got his. You know, the fact that this this guy has a pair of parents that are, you know, not only still married but still alive. You know, he's got brothers and sisters. He comes from a big family, whereas Bruce was an only child. You know, he's he's got new money, but he doesn't have. You know, old money like the Wayne Fortune. That is a big, big point of contention that needs to be addressed there. Is the difference between, yeah. between old money and new money. Mm-hmm. He, 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 yeah, this is a guy that's not okay with having this money. Not not in the least bit. Not in the least bit. Like, Lucius yeah. is like, you know, I'll, I'll get you some tech. And he's like, no, I've been training. I, well, I, he, wants, he wants the W for real, but at the same time, though... Uh, it's so funny seeing the fa- he's got everything working in his favor in terms of what you just said that you know he might not have the bat family but the cops are working with him he's got mm-hmm. so much in his favor i mean he he's got his he's got his sister his mom's still alive um if you're not if you haven't kept up um it reminds me of what was going on in fell like we don't know what ha- what what detective fell did to get transferred to the mm-hmm. federal city but we know damn sure what what Jace did. Yeah, and that's and that's like I said, it's it's an entirely different version of Batman. This guy's got specified training, but he doesn't have training as far as being a detective or multiple disciplines of martial arts. You know, he was trained in the military, right? And then he went out on his own. You know, and he's got a guy in the chair instead of Alfred. You know, and this it's like the differences are some of the most interesting aspects of freaking of Jace as Batman. So it's it's it's, it's a really interesting read. It's one of my, it's one of the ones I look forward to the most. Yeah, because you had me last because like uh, I I I was like, what you tell me it was like eight millimeters like snuff film like then I made the joke about it and you're like yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you have no idea how close you are to that. I'm like, all right, yeah, let, let's let's do the hard story. Let, like, let's let's have and and honestly, they kept it Abelita friendly because uh, in regards to how uh, Abelita can drink us down under underneath the table, uh, my thinking about my mom uh, when I sold her, I, my mom's never been an action movie person, like. Mm-hmm. I might be like, hey, the new Arnold movie's out. And she'd be like, great, let's watch it. She's not going to do that. Yeah. When I told her that Rambo 5, Last Blood, was a revenge film, she was like, sign me up. And it was nice. brutal as crazy. And this one, and, but it, but the story felt right. It wasn't it wasn't just violence for the sake of violence. This book mm-hmm. is, is portraying... The worst of the worst that they can do, and you and, and thank you for paying attention. When I ran about Spawn, you're right. This is early Spawn. Like the 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 bad guy isn't the the Joker poisoning people. It is some weird loose cannon. 
that Batman should have owned him. Batman should have beat him to an inch of his life. He found him. He mm-hmm. had, he had it. <laughs> he had it. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. But the, that's that's all I got for this week, man. Like um, we we pushed the limits to the extreme. That we did. We got some amazing, amazing finds because the hunt obviously takes over mm-hmm. the hunger of the hunt. How do you like the wolf? Yes, sir. And uh, of course, you know, uh, copyright pending. I believe the friendly. It's true. You get on that. <laughs> uh, hopefully, uh, we might actually get Colin next week, uh, pending any uh, classes he's got to teach. But even then, it'll be nice to have him back in the show. But uh, uh, that's all I got. Happy to get to see him, too. Yeah, no, nah, man, me as well, man. Time to time to hit the hay. Dude, I'm tired, man. You got to get up and push some limits in the morning. Yeah, more limits to push, uh, more boundaries to break, more comic books to find, more to, like, I, I swear to you, man, sometimes I wake up in the morning like, I don't have that one issue. I need to write that down. <laughs> That's why I got the list. You got the list. Dum, dum, dum. It's my turn, guys. This is Minefields. This transmission is over, and as always, this is absolutely dangerous. Abuelita Friendly. Hug your abuela. <laughs> All right, guys, here is the lost episode from a week and a half ago when Joshua Michael, me, got sick halfway through the recording, but we still got to make sure everyone knows about Tony's awesome trip to Ring of Honor, all the good stuff, all the comic cutting. Here we go. And we're live. All right, it is a three, two, and a one into the Minefields recording. This is issue. Yeah, it's been two weeks. I miss you so much, baby. Don't call me baby, that's weird. <laughs> one thirty-three. Colin is busy working on a show with Sylvester motherfucking Rocky Rainbow Saloon. So he has an absolute best excuse. It's not like he's like, I've got detention. I gotta go pick up my mama. I'm working with Sylvester Sloan. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a good excuse. Um, that's case, pretty decent. Issue 133 in a 3, 2, and a 1. Guys, welcome to Minefields. Been a little slow in the episodes, episode skis lately. That's okay. Why? Because we've been pushing the limit. The limit has been pushed exceedingly far in the past two weeks. Uh, that I went on vacation. <laughs> yeah, your vacation was like uh, you got robbed in San Antonio, Amarillo, um, Lubbock, and Dallas, and probably. No, I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to go to the shops in Lubbock. I freaking was about twenty minutes too late. I missed our boys on All Stars Comics. Damn. I'm sad. It's a sad day. That's one of the best comic stores on the fucking planet. It's solid. Enjoy going there. Freaking too, so close. So, so far. Now, speaking of saying uh, bad words, um, before we did the Red Viper interview, I asked him, yo, is your grandma going to listen to this? He's like, yeah. I'm like, let's keep it a boiler friendly. 
let's have some fun, but keep it abuela friendly. And I like the idea of abuela friendly. Abuela friendly might be, you know, don't don't say f this, f that. But if you mention that asshole in her novella that needs to eat a big sack of shit and get a knife in his throat, that's still abuela friendly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong at all. <laughs> it's, a, it's all about context. I'm not wrong at all on that. So I'm saying that our gimmick, because I heard Rogan talking about editing and stuff, that our show is abuela friendly. You, you, you keep it real for X amount of time, but not too real. But then if, you know, Stefano DeMera, who... Me and uh, Mr. Jason have bonded infinitesimally in the past couple of weeks in our love of old school days of our lives with Marlena and John and, and her getting possessed by the devil. We've literally sent each other like some ridiculously old school like days of our lives memes in the past couple of weeks for our love of days of our lives. There are ridiculously old days of our lives memes? Uh, or, That's a thing? Or screenshots from TV guides or soap opera digest. We've hit each other up. We've we've found some old old school shit, and it just it's like, man, I'm so glad you're my friend. Like, <laughs> I, 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 thank I, you for being my friend. Do do do. That's all we can get through without uh, four copyright laws hit. Uh, I would say Jason is like the. If I was Tim the Toolman Taylor, he'd be the guy I actually run him over with my riding mower. What's his name? Carl. Meow. <laughs> no. Who was Tim's neighbor? Wilson. It wasn't Carl. No, you're thinking of Family Matters. Yeah, we have definitely Wilson. Family Matters. Wilson was the guy you never saw his face. You never saw all his face. Right, right. All right, well. He's a, he's, he's a wise old sage. Let's get to the delicious deli salami pepperoni sandwiches I know you love from Subway. That's not what Tony likes. I was at the chicken breast from Subway. He likes it. He always gets a grilled. He always gets the grilled chicken breast. Let's get to the grilled chicken breast wherever you go. You hit the damn road and got the supercar to honor. You hit the road. You um, hit a bunch of shops. You you basically raided the state. Like what did you buy? Like 80, 80 X Men comic books? Uh, no, not not that much, but probably not that far off. Freaking uh. Like, what, yeah, no, I freaking, we ended up hitting, you know, I ended up hitting our uh, old home away from home away from home, freaking Big Apple and Amarillo on the way back, picked up some uh, classic X-Men, um, freaking, it's got some classic uh, detective comics, finally made it, I finally was able to completely finish everything associated with Flashpoint, and freaking... You know, good time, man. Freaking, I went down there. Um, you know, saw good old Ed down there. You know, good old Panhandle Ed, as I like to call him. Panhandle Ed, he's amazing. Panhandle Ed, freaking. Uh, but no, those guys, as always, hook it up. Freaking, 
you know, always and I've found quite a few uh, pre one fifty uncanny X Men because now my my goal now since I am down to my whole goal was to get issues one fifty to, to four hundred. Yeah. Um, after this weekend's venture, I am down to one issue, issue one sixty four. Goddamn. On that. Um, freaking, so looking for that first appearance of Binary, who's, uh, Carol Danvers, who's, some people might know as Captain Marvel. Yeah. It's not Captain Marvel's first appearance, but it's... Binary. As, as Binary, it's her first appearance. So that is the one issue I am looking for, which hopefully we will find this weekend. Now, um, while you say that, you, you head down there, you're, you're kicking some ass... And uh, I had a conversation with my boss today. I had a little meat ski with him, and he was like, "Yeah, you ever seen that uh, car driving driving around the springs that's got all the uh, comic and manga figures uh, painted on it?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've seen it like a bunch of times." He's like, "That's my neighbor." (laughs) Really? And I was like, "That's cool." And he's like, "Well, he says he has all of the Amazing Spider-Man's ever printed." I'm like, "Listen, that's bullshit." And he's like. No, he says he's got it. I'm like, no, no, he doesn't. Um, I had to cite you, Mr. Tony Morales. Uh, okay. Now, I, of course, had to pre-brag that I have almost every single of the Todd McFarlane uh, mm-hmm. Amazings and regular-ass Spider-Man. But there's no goddamn way you have all of the amazing Spider-Mans. And I related your story about how pissed off you were when you sent me that that article that if you want every Batman and every detective, you're fucked. Unless you're Bill Gates or uh, Elon Musk and have that fuck you money. Um, yeah. Trying to keep it Abuela friendly, but I'm sure Abuela would understand, like, you can't just pay $2 million for a comic book for just one. Like, I can't yeah. take 20 for all the spawns that all sees is saying that they're all worth from, like, 65 to, like, 190 all priced 15 to 20 Yeah. No, yeah, you got to be yeah, – it's, it's, it's hard, man, because it's like you got to be smart about it. But at the same time, it's like if you don't overindulge a little bit, somebody else might be looking for that same issue. Agreed. Agreed. So you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta figure out what you can and cannot get away with. Because trust me when I say I, 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 I overindulged. I, I went hard this weekend and freaking, like I said, I dropped from, I think I was at 11 issues of Uncanny X-Men between 150 and 200. And by the time I walked out of one store, I was down to, or to two stores, I was down to one issue. Please tell me you walked out of that last store with a designer X-Men box and Carrie just looks at you like. <laughs> no, I, I got I got no boxes. I can honestly say that. Uh, Freaking. But yeah, no, I walked out of there because um, I went to, when I hit um, San Antonio. I actually went to a place called Heroes and Fantasies. I've heard of this place. And freaking. That's, oh. that's where my buddy. Uh, Cody gets his comic books. I should have I should have given you his uh, Stray Dogs books signed to, to drop off to him. Yeah. That, Funny enough, my buddy Cody, story. my buddy Cody goes there too. But yeah, dude, this place nothing freaking the entire first half. 
every variation of nerd you could think of. You got toys, you got uh, action figures, you got freaking pops, cards, uh, Star Trek, Godzilla, just massive. You go to I went to the back because where the comics were because you always keep the good stuff in the back. Was it over? And freaking. I ended up looking around and finding, like I said, a couple of flashpoints I was looking for. They didn't have any new. They had one. They had a couple of new X Men or Uncanny X Men. Some of which I already, most of which I already had. But I was able to find issue one thirty nine, which I do not own, and it was like thirty five bucks. And I'd seen it priced other places for two to three times as much. So I was like, I'm gonna get it. And I, but I was like, man, I can't find any of the ones I'm looking for. Because, like I said, I'm looking between that 150 to 200 range. Yeah, yeah. And freaking, I'm like, hey, you got to take a look at it. And, you know, he hands it to me. And behind him is another issue. And I was like, so I was, I'm was, i going to, you know, throw a guess out here. Be like, hey, you got any uh, any extra old school Uncanny X-Men? And he goes behind the freaking register, pulls out a freaking short box. Nothing but Uncanny X-Men. Good lord. Everything is under issue 200. Okay, so you and I... Listen, I had to pull the BBC out and show you all my Constantines. Mm -hmm. Sounds like we're matched. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. Like, it was freaking... I was like, I'm not coming back here. Like freaking, I'm I'm probably not coming back to the store. I don't foresee coming back to San Antonio. That's why freaking, like I said, I I went hard. Freaking, you know, like I said, I walked out. I think probably at least eight to ten issues between issues one hundred and two hundred, plus those some flash points. And like I said, we're looking like I got some cherry. Like I said, I got issue like one thirty nine, one twenty two, one twenty three. Um, like I said, some randos between 150 and 200, and I'm just like, man, like I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I'm gonna, I, I might not see these again. So I freaking went out there and Bicky Bam, next thing you know, freaking walking out with a decent sized little stack. That's awesome. And freaking, I'm happy. Yeah, can't complain, but freaking. We got to do the minefields clap. Like we're we're starting this <laughs> now. The minefields like. Like he walked out, like, like, like you, you walked out of the comic store, like you were like fat bot in Tijuana that just lost his virginity. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, I know, man. Freaking, yes, like I said, this did. place was freaking. This place was gorgeous, just rows upon rows upon rows of just stuff. Like they had freaking. They had some old school Amazing Spider Man's there. Some old classic freaking Uncanny X Men. Um, freaking just all kinds of random randoms. I was like, oh, you know, I could, you could easily, easily kill hours looking just through the store and seeing, you know, just enjoying everything, man. Like I said, they had a little bit of everything for every little part of your nerd heart. Now, I have been, uh, since you left, because I've missed you, and I'm not supposed to tell you how much I missed you, because we get it. I think don't make it weird. I think we should have. <laughs> I think we should have some minefields goals. We've never had minefields goals. Okay. Every, like what? Every issue of Amazing. Every issue of Spawn. 
every issue of Hellblazer. That's what I got. I got those three. I got I got Spawn, Amazing. Okay. I mean, currently, right now, I am going every issue of Uncanny X-Men, starting at issue 100 to 544 of the original run. Now, if I found a, a dead body that was on top of issue 2, and I kicked this thing aside, wiped off the blood... Put it in a uh, in a binder. You'd still be cool with it, right? Because oh, of course, I will help you find that issue too. <laughs> but yeah, no, that one be cool. Freaking uh, that would be a Mexico adventure. That would be amazing. That we couldn't tell anybody about. <laughs> <laughs> that is well, also true. Yeah, like so. Tony got booked to Triple A, and Joshua was doing photos, and both of them disappeared for a while, and. Uh, yeah, um, they didn't make their flight, but they're still out of the country. Um, Coda would be like, where the hell were you? We didn't miss anything. No. <laughs> You're not wrong. We didn't miss but, anything. Uh, but yeah, no, dudes, uh, yeah. You're right. <laughs> Maybe every issue of Ostrander's run on Suicide Squad would be bomb. Bomb is hell, dude. Bomb is hell. So I'm saying Spawn, Hellblazer, and Amazing. I'm calling that for me. I, that Those are my three minefields dreams. I've got, nice. I've got... I've got all the indies. I've got Sweet Tooth. i got, like, there's there's a lot of, like, you know I just always, they, they call to me. I, like, mm-hmm. we, we walk out of fucking uh, All-Star. I'm like, Ultra... <laughs> we talked about it. We were literally talking about Ultra when we left last time. Found it this time. And you've got yeah, you've got the magic of the list keeping. Yeah, no, that thing's been a lifesaver. That's for sure. Freaking to get tired of repeat buying stuff I already owned. Two, three copies of. Oh, and I'm going to add one more. I'm going to add a fourth every KS comic with Stephen Hughes. Awesome. Every KS comic with Stephen Hughes. Okay, I will go with, like I said, Uncanny X-Men 100 to 544. Um, every freaking Ostrander run of Suicide Squad. Ostrander of Suicide Squad. Every issue of Mr. Miracle, which I am only currently five issues away from the first run, and I just completed the third run. Um, so every issue, Mr. Miracle, and Detective Comics, actually, I'm see, Batman, I'm gonna go Batman, 400, 400 to 713, which is the final issue pre, um, pre-Flashpoint. So, end of Rip, Flashpoint. Yep. So, those. Now, can we take it to another high level? What do you mean? One idea. 
one idea that gets us everything. We're not, you and I are not risk takers. You and I are not betting on something that hasn't happened yet, takers. Okay. Let's bet on one Minefields idea that gets you every fucking issue of Batman and every detective, every uncanny, me every spawn, even including the black and white that's like $5,000 worth um, 9.9 giant sizes. Let's bet on the one idea. Let's bet on the one idea. All right, my interest is peaked. What do you got? Well, you and I have talked about many different ideas for comic books, uh, many different road trips, and they've all been pretty goddamn good. Okay. But I think we can come up with one kick-ass idea. Okay. One good idea. One good story. Something completely original. I bet you we can do it with Colin. We're going to kidnap Sylvester Stallone? Uh, you know, uh, if you had not said that today but a week ago, I would be, be like, what the hell are you talking about? But I watched Rambo 5 again the other day. That movie was amazing. <laughs> okay. Keynote, we do not plan on kidnapping Sylvester Stallone. We will not kidnap Sylvester Stallone. And we we will, pinky promise. And we will also not kidnap James Cameron or Quentin Tarantino or Morgan Freeman. Quentin Tarantino will know the hell out of me. I get the feeling, so I'm good with that. Yeah. Copy. Copy. No. That's a, that's a good list, man. There's nothing wrong with dreaming dreams, man. And, um, uh, I, I brought this up because I had a customer today that was telling me about all this good stuff that happened to him after all this bad stuff happened. And I got on the jazz about thinking about me and my buddies, my closest buddies, what we would do when it came to if we had all the above. And, uh, and uh, I mean, like having all these comics are good, but if we had that one ultimate idea, that would that would be like the BFG and fucking Doom, man. <laughs> yeah. That would be the one shot. But we can't just aim for the one shot. I mean, we got to keep going. Um, now, yeah. let, uh, let's talk about Ring of Honor because you were there. Uh, I mentioned. Yeah, no, it's... I, I mentioned it to my buddy, and this isn't Ring of Honor. We're talking about WrestleMania. Okay. My buddy Tom, that's got the kick-ass belt that we went to go see. Uh, I went to go see the uh, last pay-per-view with him. I messaged him and like, dude, it really hurt my feelings that Cody came back to the movie, and he's like, I felt the same way. <laughs> like, 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 I'm talking like, like, like a little bitch with a skin knee. It hurt my feelings that he came back. Like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's interesting because I, I felt the same way to an extent. But, like, I would equate it more to your buddy that broke up with the chick and, like, you're glad that they got their final done. I shook Go to bed. I shook 
are better than all of us and ten times better. This kid knows his wrestling. He's got better wrestling taste and action figures than me. And um, I always ask him when we're working out when we hit the gym, what do you do when Morales Jr. just takes over? This is going to be a, a Luke and Jungle Boy thing. What's going to happen when Morales Jr. takes over? So comically interrupted. <laughs> Not comically interrupted at all. I, I think that's one of those things that's going to be like where uh, it's on video. We're, yeah. We're, I, I did my predictions. Morales Jr. has better taste in wrestlers than us, better taste in action figures, better taste in, in, in better predictions than we have, and all of the pay per views we've watched combined. And it's true. so I was calling, I was calling that in the exact, well, moment, in the exact moment we were calling what we're going to do if we hit, hit a big. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a good ass omen. Out of work. <laughs> but yeah, no, going back to the Cody thing, man, Trigan, I kind of equated to the, you and your buddy breaks up with the chick and you're, you're happy that it's over because it just, they weren't a good fit. And then, like, they get back together. He, 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 they get back together. And then you're not allowed to hang out with Tony Morales because I know he didn't like me. Yeah, you know that's really kind of what I feel like. It's interesting though because I don't like me personally. I don't tend to get that way a lot. Like I don't. You get those. You, you, no. That connections and it's connections interesting, man. Because freaking no, without like it, it felt like it felt like a betrayal. It was a total... Which is super interesting. Because freaking, like... You know, we've talked about, you know, being invested in certain wrestlers over the years. Like, the last time you really got behind a guy... You know, like, for me, it was Ty Dillinger in NXT. You know, that was that was my guy. Yeah. You know? For me, that was like, oh, you know, no matter what, you know, Ty Dillinger's gonna have a good match. And Ty Dillinger's freaking gonna be a star, blah, blah, blah. You know, whoever whoever it might be. But, like, you know, like, it was almost like the heart and soul of AEW as, like, a company was ripped out because freaking Cody, Cody was the front man. He was, he was, he was, he was, he was, yeah, he was totally the front. Because whenever you needed somebody to look good in front of the camera or to cut a good interview or to promote, you know, their latest agreement with something, you know, it was Cody and Brandy. Cody and Brandy. And freaking, like, yeah, you can't freaking, you know, the Young Bucks weren't in that role. Kenny Omega wasn't in that role. Freaking, it was, you know, it was Cody and Brandy. They were the they were the ones you put out there for the news people to talk to. My buddy Tom said he feels that he got too big for his own britches. And I was like, I, 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 I'm not even close to being able to comprehend that because mm-hmm. the fact that th- this just happened, like, after what they did to him 
took his last name. The way they disrespected him as, as Stardust. The, like, the way they fucked with his mustache. I mean, there were so many... He was only there for ten years. And and they, they didn't give a fuck about him. He like, like, They jobbed him out like, like, a, like a Bush League fucking Dolph Ziggler who was jobbing out and, and doing the job for a lot of different things and not even, like, rolling over. Like, more enhancement. Um, and then this happens... And then I read this article today where he's talking about where it it might never be released why Tony and I he didn't say we aren't cool, he just said why Tony and I disagree. And and that's yeah. that's not even a quote, that's just what the gist was. Um mm-hmm. and then when he gets to the bus and he was talking about uh, a box of uh watches he had bought and and the first mm-hmm. watch that was given to him was given to him by Tony. So he collected watches because it was kind of a status symbol. But then he gets to the bus, and Ty Dillinger and I, I can't remember the other guy's name uh, were like hastily removing his things to get rid of him and making a fuss about it. Like it, it wasn't like a hey man like like you know we got the key to your hotel. Um, here's all your stuff. We even stole a couple robes for you. Like, nothing like that. Just that they made a big deal about getting rid of him. And, and that was, I can understand why that would really chap someone's ass. But at the same time though, but go back to the, your abuser. And with your own music, with, with the same gear you had at the last fucking show. (laughs) <laughs> at the yeah. last fucking show and I, I watched half of that match and I couldn't finish it like did did Seth win I assume Seth won not Cody ended up winning I mean it, it wasn't a bad match like I watched it a couple times but yeah it's just freaking you know it's you know it's kind of it's an interesting concept you know freaking did he did he go back for the money? Did he go back because he had something to prove? I mean, we you know we're not going to know for a while if it ever. He left his brother. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure I'm sure they talked about it. You know, I'm, maybe maybe it's one of those things where he just had something to prove to himself that he could be a success. You know, freaking, and he's you know he's a and he's a he's a company guy, and no matter what company he's in. Like he's always gonna be the guy out there freaking plugging wherever he's at. Yeah, he's you know whether he's you know he's business business. You can't say he's not. Yeah, but but like but Brandy leaving too. She left heels. She established all that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You know he. I mean heck, you know Young Bucks and Cody, Young Bucks and freaking Kenny Omega are cool, but they wouldn't have established AEW without Cody. No, not at all. Not not now. Now, and and the thing that like like we have to concentrate on is that like we had the Bullet Club, former mm-hmm. elite members, but like we needed the the big WWE star Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. But Cody was the businessman. Yeah, Cody was the businessman. Handle all the backstage shit. Yeah, he was the you know, he was basically the face of it. You know, uh, Tony Khan freaking, 
had the money and Tony Khan established, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm not taking, I'm not taking away from anybody, but I mean, it's, I don't, I don't know if they would have actually been able to pull it off without Cody. No. Same way they wouldn't be able to pull it off without Tony Khan. No, it never would have happened without Cody because Cody was the one that took the bet with Meltzer that no one can sell out X amount of fucking seats. And he said, I'll take that bet. And we got all in and all in is one yeah. of the milestones. He all in is basically the fucking, uh, uh, floating, um, milestone mm-hmm. in, in space age gets the monkeys lighting fire and inventing wheels. Um, and it, 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 like even in the intro of being the elite, they always had an extra long curve to him, where 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 he was in his nice white suit, or even in the uh, the invasion of Raw, when they invaded Raw with the limo, it was all about Cody. Let's head to Hot Top. Yeah. Let's go sell a lot of shirts. Young Buck set it up, but I'm the one that got you all listening because I'm Cody. And it just it just feels like um God man, like like it, it like I, I was I was telling you about my friend Tom and I it hurt my feelings. He's like, dude, I feel like a little kid in telling you it hurt my feelings. Yeah. I mean that's the thing, dude. I mean at the end of the day, like for for the fans, it's you know, it's the leader of the revolution giving up like I think that's like I don't think that's necessarily what he did but I think that's how it feels to a lot of people like dude this guy this guy turned his back on us and freaking but it sucks dude it was worse than when uh, the Japanese version of the Bullet Club turned on mm-hmm. the Elite you remember that yeah. you remember that episode Grills Destiny they were all like Tokyo Pimp we're looking at the camera all pissed off. Juice Robbins showed up. Like, yeah, there was a strict division in the Bullet Club. But they were still the Bullet Club, but no one left like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's an interesting thing. I was talking to my wife about it. And for those who don't know, my wife is uh, freaking really big, big into wrestling as well, you know? Freaking. But she was talking about it. Like, it's real interesting when you think about it how many people were almost like hurt by the formation of AEW. Cause freaking, when you look at it, you know, they took, you know, when the young, when the young bucks and Kenny and Cody and all them left ring of honor was never the same again. Never. It hurt. all. And yeah. And new Japan wasn't either. Like to the point where there was bitterness for quite a few years. And I was, and I have to say, I'm guilty because I was 100% team elite, the elite, not, not Bullet Club. I was 100%. I, I would always say I'm 100% Bullet Club for life, but mm-hmm. I was, I, what I was actually was 100% American Nightmare villain. Yeah, I mean they took they took the best parts. They took the best parts for a lot of people. You know, you got those guys. You got Hangman. Freaking, you know, they are WWE had already grabbed Adam Cole at that point, and AJ Styles and Finn Balor, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Good Brothers. And freaking, you know, just bit by bit, this, you know, 
they were getting all these people from all over and companies suffered. You know, that's a large part of the reason Ring of Honor freaking ended up being sold. And, you know, kind of, kind of sucks. Freaking, I mean, hopefully it'll come back stronger than ever. I mean, like I said, I was at that show. And while the crowd wasn't as big as I would have thought it would have been, we were loud. We were freaking, we enjoyed it. And freaking, we legitimately saw a match of the year contender with the Briscoes versus FTR, which I'll get to in a minute. Because I'm a, I, I, you hear the word dream match thrown around often. But, but in my personal opinion, very, very rarely does it actually match. live up to the hype. That's a heaven match. That's a heaven yeah. match. That, that, yeah. that, that's you died and went to heaven and people you didn't realize or you did want to see were ready and your favorite dude in the whole world, your grandpa hands you a cup of whiskey Mom's there, what's up? Let's do this. And FTR yeah. and Briscoe's, that was fucking gnarly. That was amazing. Yeah, it was. But yeah, I mean, and the, but that's the thing, though, man. Like, the formation of AEW dramatically altered pro wrestling as we know it, especially in the United States. And like I said, abroad in Japan, because like I said, they lost pretty much all their top-tier American-slash-gaijin talent. Yep. And freaking... And it's... Everybody, you know, people suffered for it. Like I said... Hell, they, hell they lost non-Bullet Club gaijin that were just friends with these guys. Yeah. And freaking... At the end of the day, like, freaking... Do you really... And Jericho... You know, Jericho went back here and there, but... Like it, it wasn't. It was. It's you know. It's not the same as it was. You know. You know. Twenty fifteen. Twenty sixteen. So it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing to to think about because, like, we were talking. It's like, in theory, like maybe this would could this have really been a thing started off because Cody and. Tony Khan had a disagreement? Or is, was this the plan the whole time? Was Co- was Cody's goal always to go back to WWE? Man. Was all this all planned to make him a better star, to make him more valuable to WWE? I don't I don't want to believe that people are that, that shitty. The thing is... Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, it could have been, it could not have been. It's just an interesting question to think about. It is an Like, could this whole thing, could this whole thing of all, because, I mean, that's, you know, Drew McIntyre said when he got fired from WWE, from the day one, his whole goal was to go back to WWE. Is it any different? That's a great point, Brent. Drew McIntyre is freaking looked upon as a, you know, a great guy. A guy that freaking busted his ass to get what he wanted. He got what he wanted and he proved himself. Great. Could Cody, is Cody any different? Plus, on top of that, you know, whether Cody meant to or not, he was a large part. I mean, obviously he meant to, but he was a large part of giving us AEW 
which is obviously a promotion we both personally enjoy and many people who listen to the show enjoy. So, I mean, even even if he did, even if he did, does that necessarily make him the bad guy? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it does, man. I don't think it does. I mean, that, that, that's it's, it's still it's, it's still the business. It's still the business yeah. because he didn't shame anyone. He didn't hurt anyone. He just fucking left. Yeah. He, he just, just it, it, it's your it's your friend leaving you. It's your friend freaking going on to do something else in life. That's not again. It's it's the way you look at it. You can't hold that whether it's a positive thing or a bad thing. Nope, nope. You know, because I'll, I'll admit, Cody was one of my personal favorite parts of freaking AEW. He was a large part of some of my favorite matches. You know, him and Dustin, him and Dustin teaming against the Young Bucks. Freaking uh, the ladder match with Sammy, which is his last thing out the door. The Blood Brothers. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a huge Sammy Guevara fan, but freaking, he went out there and killed it with him that night. You know, Sammy freaking or Cody. Oh, you know, we've talked about it before. For everybody who, all the people online that are all like, "Oh, Cody never put anybody over." He put a lot more people over than people think about. He made Darby Allen. Yeah, he did. He he made it a point to make Sammy Guevara a bigger star on his way out the door. Establish him as a single star outside of the inner circle. As a consistent star, as opposed to making people that were looking good for a couple months for a couple months. Mm-hmm. Santana Ortiz. Yeah. Um, like there's there's some like half the half the fucking AEW roster was made to look good for a couple of months. Yeah, freaking uh, the house. He made the house of black. He made freaking Malachi black. Get you know freaking Bobby. You know him going over and a lot of guys built up for a reason to make other guys look good. You know everybody remembers the squash match with Brody Lee for the uh, TNT title when he beat him in like three minutes. Dude, I was at Walmart today and I was going through the AEW figures. They actually had like two racks of them. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to myself, and I'm like, I don't want you, 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 I don't want you. And this mom and this aunt and this kid were looking at me, and I don't want any of these guys. <laughs> they, 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 they legit had like six Cody LGNs. At the uh, at the uh, Woodman and uh, not the Wood uh, the uh, Academy and uh, yeah the Academy and Woodman. Oh, nice. Yeah, they're, they're, and they they've got like three Nijaxes, a couple of Santana Ortizes, all the new Young Bucks. Um, but I was I was looking for my uh, Statlander man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nothing as a yet, huh? Nah, I found my Statlander. One of my Statlander, god damn it. <laughs> That'll happen. But yeah, I mean, freaking, you know, it's, it, you know, it is, like, the Cody thing's kind of an is what it is thing. You know, we're going to find out in three months if freaking they're going to continue to use him well or if they're going to freaking do what they do nine times out of ten and just kind of, yeah, we'll figure out something. We'll do it later. Still just hurts, it still just hurts my feelings. Like, like, like a, a good friend of mine just said, "Fuck you, I'm out." Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I think it's valid, man. Freaking, it's, 
you know, it's Leon. It, it does kind of feel like a stab in the back a little bit, but, you know, he's got his reasons, whatever they may be. And, you know, it's wrestling, so you can't even believe what they say. Agreed. And I don't have a kid. I don't have a fucking kid. Uh, I don't, like, I also don't have $1,000 like he has, but even then, I still can't blame him. If he made a better choice for his kid, who the fuck yeah. am I to to say fuck that guy? Absolutely yeah. not. And, 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 and Brandy stuck by his side. And, and when was the last time, when was literally the last time you saw someone's girlfriend or wife stuck by him like that? Probably Mike Bennett, in all honesty. Freaking Maria Canellis is freaking. That was five years <laughs> ago. That was five years ago. And, and, and But even then, you're completely right. The, the rarity of, 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 of a, a couple sticking together like that is entirely my point. Yeah. Entirely my point. We're like, he's pissed off. They hurt him. How dare they hurt him? And nah. and that's just my theory. That's what Brandy was feeling, and that's what uh, Canellis's wife was feeling. And I just like to know that still fucking exists. Yeah, uh, definitely, man. Freaking, you know, it's you know, it'll be like I said, it'll just be interesting to see a year from now if this comes off as a good decision, or if you know, WWE does what WWE tends to do and is just petty about it. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Well, he definitely has a better look than everybody else. I'm, I'm, loving, yeah. I'm loving the Ezekiel thing. The memes that have been coming out of Ezekiel that, like, he's the guy that will, like, delete your internet history when you die. Uh, he's the guy that will laugh at your jokes even though he's already heard it. Like, the Steel Real uh, to us guys have been putting out some monster memes for Ezekiel. And... <laughs> Um, but let, let's take a quick break and we'll get into some, into some comics, man. Uh, well, we haven't even talked about really freaking, like I said, the Ring of Honor thing yet. Gotta no. get into that as well. No. Freaking, I've, I've still got many stories to tell. I had a hell of a week. Let us let us do this. Let us do this. Tell me. But yeah. I got 30, let's go, let's go I to, got 30 minutes for a piss my pants. Well, let's go. Freaking, we, we can do the break now. Cool. Come back, get back into it. No big deal. Cool. Taking a break soon.
Sorry, man, I had to load in the wash. Dumb, of, dumb motherfuckers, what happened? Nothing, we'll talk off air. Okay. After this definitely not freaking not for the, for the show. Alrighty then. Alright, let's, uh, let's finish Supercar Mar. Alright.